Saskatchewan's number one sports talk show is on. And now, starting an hour earlier, welcome inside the Radio Octagon. This is the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. Here's your host, Michael Ball. And away we go on a Monday here, a steamy Monday in Canada's Queen City, Regina, Saskatchewan. Wherever you're listening, however you're listening, thanks for making us part of your day. Let's get after it. Rough Riders off today. They'll be back tomorrow on the practice field. Navigating the heat. Of course, down in the Nova Scotia area, they've been getting torrential flooding, but I have not heard it's in the Halifax area, so the game is still a go. Our pregame show on Saturday is 11. Kickoff is 2, which is 5 local time there. Zinger will be holding down the fort on Thursday for the uh, sports cage, and then I'll come to you live from Ryderville. Some guests and everything on Friday. Should be a good time. Uh, yes, the Rough Riders are 3-3. Three and three. The only good thing about the weekend, Calgary lost. Yeah, they, they lost. They lost to the Ottawa Red Blacks. <laughs> yeah, before we get into all of that, all these sports other than the Riders, Zinger, we like to start the show the day after a game, be it a Friday or the following Monday after a weekend game, by going backwards in time. So we'll take you back to Save On Food Field. So just save on foods field, mm-hmm. save on food field at BC Place, and uh, the Riders losing to the BC Lions. Here's how it sounded. Vernon Adams Jr. sends him in motion. Number three looks right under pressure. He's going down to the quarterback sack. Brian Cox Jr. there under pressure's VA and he's down. Vernon Adams Jr. down to the quarterback sack. Second one of the game. Pistol Pete Robertson. Dropping back to passes. Dane Evans throws down the middle. It's caught. First down. Breaking tackles. Keon Hatcher. 50. Ryder 40. Ryder 35. 30. And he's tackled inside the 30. But here comes the blitz. He's going to throw Evans to the left side. It's caught. Yeah. Corner route. Touchdown. Alexander Hollins in behind. Jaden Dolkey and others. And the BC Lions like that with their quick strike offense. Fine. In the pocket. He's going to throw over the middle. Caught. Nice job by Sam Emelis. And you call him strong hands. Yep. And he used those strong hands. And here's a little pooch from Korzak to this left side. Riders try to get to it, but the Lions will get it. It's Marcus Sales on the run to the left side in the middle of the field. Still on his feet. Lost the ball. Riders got it on the punch out. Marcus Sales trying to make something happen. And Jorgen Hughes has the recovery. Evans looking this way under pressure. Loses the ball. And it's recovered by the Riders. Demarcus Christmas, a strip sack under pressure, and he'll go down in the sack. The Riders got there. They met at the quarterback, and here's Fine throwing. Complete in a tight window. What a throw by Mason Fine. He put that one on the screws. Riders rush four. Here's Evans. He's going to throw down the left sideline. Got a man open. Intercepted. What a great job coming over there to pick it up by the Riders' Amari Henderson. There's the snap, there's the hold. The kick is on the way. Brett Lothar's good. And he fakes the handoff. Stands in a clean pocket, now climbs and throws. Oh, that was intercepted, a bad throw. Picked off over there by Gary Peters. Here's Dane Evans. He'll stand in there, throw down the seam, wide open, and the catch is made. And this time he caught it. Justin McKinnis tumbling backwards. Here's a play action pass. Fine's got all day to throw. He's going to throw. Wide open. It's caught over there. Tevin Jones right side. Tevin Jones spun down at the 20-yard line. A pass 
Sandowski agencies first down and Mason Fine had all day to throw. Yeah, and when he did have time to throw Zinger, he was good. He put the ball, as I said, on the screws. I thought he was decent. Now, they didn't throw it a lot downfield. He missed Tevin Jones twice on deep passes. Oh, In fact, yeah. I think the first one of Jones dives, he maybe catches that one. Yeah, I was kind of questioning that effort when I saw it. but uh, I think Tevin Jones is our best receiver. Oh, yeah, I'm not seeing uh, It's just that one play. Yeah, I thought he yeah. could have got, yeah. got to it, yeah. but who yeah. am I? Yeah, okay, so what did you think of the game? Oh. I'm mad. I'm still sorry. I'll let you talk in a second. I'm still mad, Zinger. This team should be four and two minimum or five and one. I'm mad. We we let that one get away. <sighs> well, how do I feel about the game? Well, I I feel like that was a game that the Riders could have won for obvious reasons. I feel like uh, no, I know. Coach Craig Dickinson came on after the game and he gave his reasonings for his um, coaching decisions on the third down gamble and the onside kick mm-hmm. at the end of the game. You know, I, I, I kind of disagree with his reasoning. But with that said, I do understand what he was getting at. I just feel like where the game was at, you know, the on the third down gamble there, like the, the Riders defense was keeping everyone... They were keeping them in the game, yeah, right? Yeah, and I then all, and all of a sudden that happened, and then it kind of just you know they did hold them to a field goal. But long story short, ballsy. I just feel like if I were to pinpoint one thing that I'm really worried about is the offensive line. I I was watching it, and uh, for some reason I don't know if they just don't have the strength up front, but like. It's one thing when you when your quarterback is back there to pass, but when you're you know moving the pocket when he's moving out of the pocket, like that that's not sustainable because that cuts off half half the field and he doesn't have as many targets to look at when he's on mm-hmm. the move like that. Like mm-hmm. that's not something that you can consistently do all season long. No. So when they did when they did block it up like you heard at the end of that uh, replay. They had Tevin Jones open, mm. and the interior did a good job. I, I, yeah, it's um, the offensive line's got to tighten up a little bit. I, I once again, I don't know. I, I look at the injury situation. It's hard to overly critique, but every team has injuries, so I get it. Um, the third and two, I didn't, I didn't like it. I got, I, I understood, I guess, from his uh, reasoning what. What they were going for there, he thought just they could keep the ball away from the um, BC lines there. The onside kick I did not get. They score a field goal, okay? So you score the field. Now listen, initially I'm like, why didn't they go for the field goal earlier? They ended up wasting a timeout, and then oh, they yeah, ended up. Yeah. But 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 I will say this because I listened back to the game to do some critiquing on our broadcast, and listen, they got the ball down there. Uh, a Watson, or pardon me, um, Jamal Morrow gets that first down, right, on third down, sneaks his, uh, squirms his way for a first down. But then they gave up the big sack, or Woody Barron just swims the interior of the defensive line, makes the sack. So that's why Dickinson ended up going for the field goal, because uh, it was a little too far. It was third and goal from the six instead of like a two-yarder, and so mm-hmm. I got that one. But I did not get going for a short kick in your own territory with a minute 53 to go. I know you didn't have a timeout, but you don't have a timeout if they get the, re- the recovery. And the ball didn't even go 10 yards. 
You have to do one of those onside kicks where it's just a whole it, shot. Yeah, you put it in the turkey hole. That's what like I said. Yeah, it. the whole shot, and that way your guys can run full steam and go down and make the play. But I and think, even if they do recover it, they won't be in field goal range. I automatic think, field. I think goal I was range. talking to you with somebody yesterday. So on that play, if you watch it again, oh Wait, no, no no, on that play, it was my son. On that play. Micah Tights runs into Sean Bain Jr. and they collide when they're coming around the corner to get, and so they fall down and they're not around the ball and then Katoy can catch it. That's why you hole shot it. There was a nice juicy spot there. What's well, a huge field? Yeah, we have Ed on hold by the way. Okay, let's go to Ed. Ed, Ed, go ahead. You're on the uh, sports cage. How are you doing, guys? Good, Ed. What's up, man? Hey, you guys are always picking up the offensive line. Like, why can't they go and ask Danny Clark to come back to work? Uh, I don't know. If that's something I can ask the coach or I can ask uh, the the GM. Uh, he was working behind the scenes. Uh, let's be honest, though. Not, this isn't against Dan Clark. Uh, Logan Bandy, still a young guy cutting his teeth. They signed Peter Godbury, hurt his hand, so Peter wasn't in there. And they're on their like their third and their fourth tackles. So, but yeah, that's a valid. That's I don't know what if he's in game shape. You can't just throw a helmet on and go play. Like, like, like work, wow. like Ed working out in a weight room and actually being on a practice field. That doesn't happen overnight. No, it doesn't. But Dan, Danny would be willing to come back to the Riders. Oh, hey, uh, I'm sure they're uh, they're they're looking at all options. I'm not saying you're wrong for that, but it wouldn't ha- it wouldn't happen overnight. So I don't know. Maybe I always said that. I said Dan Clark isn't signing with anybody, and he will always be in the bullpen in case you need to bring him out. Maybe it'll come to that. I don't know, but I know it's not going to happen overnight. Okay, thanks, boys. Take care, man. Um, so thanks. then, so then the so that was the the downer of the weekend. The Riders losing. Mm. Now they got to fly cross country. Where right now they're listed as ten and a half point dogs to the Toronto Argonauts. Ten and a half point dogs right now, but that's not shocking. The Argos look unbelievable. We're gonna have AJ Olette on the show, uh, and Chad Kelly. Let's be honest, Chad Kelly's uh, an up and coming, good looking quarterback. Can use his legs and stuff, but his receivers are bailing him out with oh. some unbelievable catches, and he's got all day to throw because he's got a two headed monster in the backfield there, Olette and Andrew Harris. So play action all day, yummy, yummy. Yummy, yummy. The Riders didn't have that luxury in this game. If the Riders could ever get their running game going, it would help Mason find out. Well, where's Frankie Hickson at? I don't know. He hasn't can we used him much. Can we remember to ask coach. the coach that? I will ask. I will absolutely ask. Jamal you can Morrow ask him. was falling on his face. The turf monster got him like at least twice. Yeah. I remember. Although I will say he's a good one. He picks up the blocking well. Like he's he picks oh, up I'm the not, rushes. I'm not saying he's not a bad running, but yeah. like but Morrow's nice great. But be, like, why not switch him yeah, back and be, forth? Yeah, and I thought Hickson maybe, has that like when, as soon as he gets the ball, he's like straight. He's north and south, you know, and he has that quick acceleration. And I want. I wonder. Change if they, of pace. Maybe. I wonder. Uh, I I obviously I'm not up there tabulating the um, the ratio and how many plays the guys can have when they come in there. But like when Picton went down with the concussion and uh, oh, he, got lit. he got smoked by oh. uh, Moget, who's a good hard-hitting safety. Uh, so you, you you had him down, so then you had a Wachi in the slot. Uh, I just wonder, was there a formula where both of those backs could have been in more? Mm-hmm. Frankie and Jamal Morrow. Anyway, so let's fast forward. The only good thing of the weekend was the... Um, 
Calgary Stampeders lose again. Jake Mayer threw for a career-high 450 yards, four touchdowns, but two interceptions, a pick six. And how about Crum? Are you sold on Dustin Crum? Yeah, I think I'm sold. I'm, I'm buying some crummy I think, stock. I think me too. I'm buying some crumbs. Yeah, I'm buying I'm, crumbs, I'm getting man. some crumbs. I'm following that crumb trail. Two, two weeks in a row. Yep. Like, you look at his game. He The guy runs like a deer. We've been saying this. Uh, I like his. You know, you know what he reminds me of. His drop back reminds me of like a 1970s type quarterback because he holds the ball really low on his on his drop back, like around his waist. And you, if you look at like 1970 clips of like Tom Clements and all like Ronnie Lancaster, there the the ball's always like lower on the their diff, drop back. The, diff, the difference would be though is when they drop back, they drop back from like, under center. Well, not only that, but they drop straight back, so mm-hmm. they wouldn't be like you know you have the crossover steps. Yeah, where you turn your back, he back up. Yeah, yeah. Like, you know, like Roy DeWalt or uh, Warren Moon yeah. did when that. When I say when I say drop back, I mean like they're obviously in the gun, but yeah. when he gets the ball, yeah. it's the like the two yeah, yeah. two yard drop back. Yeah. He holds the ball like really yeah. low. Yeah. And then his release is like I think I'm sold on, on well, Dusty. Well you know Crummy. why? Because he reminds you of you because he has those long, lanky, skinny oh, arms. Man. He's lanky. he's like a lanky yeah. lizard or something. His 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 actual draft stock was can't break tackles or run away. His his draft NFL draft uh, like portfolio or whatever can't run away from defenders can't break tackles. Yeah, <laughs> all, uh, okay, dudes, dudes throw a bigger field. Dude throwing throw for six hundred and sixty-seven yards, four touchdowns, and he's he's uh, he's ran for two fifty-seven and two touchdowns. Yeah, no, I'm I'm buying stock. I think two weeks in a row now, and the the thing that I like most about his game is. Late in the game, there, uh, he's not afraid to like stand in the pocket to make throws either. He's not no. like one of these well, guys. He got that, smoked when Bahar went up, and made that catch yeah, in the end the zone. That's the one I'm thinking yeah. of. Like right, right yeah. in the knees. Like he's yeah. he's like the and he's tall. Of, yeah. He's tall. See, that's where that's Mason's. Mason's a shorter quarterback. Mason fine. So he's got to kind of be like a Drew Brees and have those passing windows. This guy can see over the mm-hmm. line of scrimmage. Yeah, and when he is bouncing around in the pocket, like yeah. his eyes are still pretty much downfield. Like if you compare that to a couple other guys but, across the league. By the way, though, can you just stop it with the whole, I don't like our quarterback, our OC needs to go. I saw some of that online, too. Our OC doesn't need to go. He needs a kick in the pants. There's a couple of calls I wasn't interested, you know, well, it overly was, happy. It was with. disappointing because the field position the Riders yeah. had in the first half, how many times did they start around yeah. midfield? And yeah. just nothing. So, but I, I still have confidence Mason Fine can do a very good job for us if he's given time yeah, to throw. Yeah, he could throw the ball. He could throw the football. There are some throws, a wide side throw to Emelis and then the one to Jones down the sidelines, or the one falling backwards when he gunned it in the window there. Yeah. Like, he well, can throw the well, ball. He threw the ball, what, like 45 times, something like that? You could probably count on one hand how many times that he was actually in the pocket with time to throw the ball. Every he, Everyone else was yeah. outside the tackle Now, his box. interceptions were bad. He he steps up in the pocket on the first interception, and it was his third read, I think, without talking to him. And Gary Peters made a great play, but he should have never thrown that ball. Mm-hmm. Then the other one, I'm not sure what happened. Was that Tevin Jones? Did Tevin Was Tevin Jones supposed to go to the sidelines, or was he supposed to go where he was? But he was Matt, he was throwing his mouth guard. He was jumping up and down because they had another receiver underneath. I think it was Emelis or Bain Jr. underneath there, and the ball kind of was in no man's land when it got mm. picked off there. Yeah, that was near side of the field. Yeah, right? I'm trying yeah to by the yeah. rider bench. Yeah. Ugly. Yeah. Anyway, uh, it wasn't a terrible effort. Uh, the Riders are 3-3. Three and three. They're still in the mix for the playoffs. I know fans are mad, but listen, with the injuries and everything and the fact this team should have 
won it. You know, they had a great chance to win this game and probably could have won that Calgary game too. They could easily be five and one. So I'm still holding out hope for the playoffs. The season's not done. We got a long way to go, but they do need to tighten things up on the field. And on the sideline, too. We're going to take a break, and when we come back, we'll talk to the new executive director of the Saskatchewan Sports Hall of Fame. This is the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. It's time to step into the radio octagon. You're tuned to the Sports Cage on Saskatchewan Sports Radio, 620 CKRM. All right, time to head out in the Western Pizza Hotline. Get it hot, get it fast at Western Pizza. And we want to welcome the new executive director of the Saskatchewan Sports Hall of Fame, Erin Stankowicz, into the cage. Her first visit here. And you're on the job a week. How's it been going? It's been good. So far, it's been uh, really good. I've, I've learned a lot and uh, met some wonderful people. So really looking forward to um, moving this organization forward and uh, do some exciting uh, new fun things. Okay, so we'll get to that in a second. Tell us your background. How did you uh, come into this job? Yeah, so I'm uh, originally from Moose Jaw, Saskatchewan, and um, went to school in Alberta and did some time in advertising agencies here in Regina. Then I worked with the Regina Hotel Association for about seven years, and um, in that position, we worked a lot with different sport organizations to try to bring different um, events and uh, business events and sporting events to the city. And that's sort of how I got to meet uh, many individuals in the sport world. And it just seemed like a, a natural fit for me to come over here. Were you involved in sports growing up, Aaron and Moose Jaw? Or, uh, you, you know, or were you more interested in, like, on the business side of things as it relates to sports? Yeah, more on the business side of things. Um, I, you know, I did a, a bit of uh, individual sports in uh, growing up, uh, swimming, golfing, that type of thing. Um, but I'm really interested in the business side of things, um, bringing events to Regina, making it really, uh, making people celebrate, getting people mm-hmm. interested in celebrating sport and and yeah. community in our community. The city and the province. Aaron Stankwich joining us here, new executive director from or for the Saskatchewan Sports Hall of Fame. So, how do you view sports? Like, not I'm not talking from a business side or like you know an organizing side. Just in terms of when you watch sports, like what do you like about sports? Yeah, I really, I mean, one of the things that I like about working in sports and um, sport in general is the innate positivity. Um, there's always that optimism that we're going to win, we're going to be the best. And I just think that's such a neat environment to be a part of. And it's great to celebrate all of those achievements and that sort of mentality that people bring to uh, to the community and to their own individual sports. What do you like about the uh, Saskatchewan Sports Hall of Fame as you take over? There's some things you really like about it. Yeah, I, the history, uh, learning about the history and what we have compiled here in um, at the hall has been really eye-opening and, and truly wonderful in terms of all of the stories and to have one central place where we can sort of preserve that history, celebrate our athletes, and, and educate um, the province and the community on all that's been achieved in um in the past 50, yep. 50 years. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. Hey, eh? time flies. So, yeah. Aaron, uh, without giving away your playbook, to use a sports term, uh, you know, what are some of the things you want to, uh, you know, do to put your own stamp on the Saskatchewan Sports Hall of Fame? Yeah, I mean, I'm still pretty new to the role, uh, but I am really excited to be here. I think uh, there's there's a lot of opportunities that we can um, do in this with this 
uh, organization um, continuing to tell the stories, uh, share uh, the history, and hopefully expand our reach out to the province uh, beyond just Regina, but throughout all of Saskatchewan and, and making sure that people um, are really proud of where we come from and all of that we've achieved. More like, uh, would you say more like uh, the digital world? Because you, you've got an existing building, but you can only put so much in a building. Is there, you know, uh, to, to continue to um, spruce up that avenue of getting the word out? Yeah, I mean, that, that is obviously one of the, the major opportunities um, for any organization, and especially one like ours where we have so many assets and stories, and now we have all of these new tools to, to tell those stories and share those assets. So we'll definitely be looking at different ways that we can um, capture that and, and share it in uh, a digital Wait. Yeah, Aaron, thanks for your time here. You, you know, you always got a, a friend here in the sports cage. We'll help you get the message out. Uh, congratulations yeah, on inductee. Yeah, 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 yeah. I was, uh, I snuck in there. Uh, I fooled him on the 1993 Regina Rams. So I'm in there somewhere. So yeah, you're in there. Yeah, I got to, I, I actually, I never went to the ceremony because I was busy and I never, um, I've never gone to check that out. That's crazy. I have never checked it out there. I've got, and I, I work right downtown. That's, and I think that's, I'm glad you brought that up. Because, like, people can come down there and check out the hall. They, you know, maybe they just think they can't or they've got other things on their mind. But if you're at lunch or something downtown, it's worth a visit to go check it out. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, we're open Monday to Friday from 10 to 4 and then Saturdays from 12 to 4. And, you know, we're always happy to have people just walk in, wander around. Uh, There's some fun interactive things. We always have different historic uh, exhibits on so yeah it's a great a great thing to do on your lunch hour to pop pop in and check some things out so we'd love to love to have you down you'll have to pop by someday yeah that's right awesome thanks for your time and like i said thank if you. you need any promotion we're here for you <laughs> sounds great thank you so much and the toronto blue jays start up a series in los angeles tonight against the dodgers that's a 7 40 p.m opening pitch saskatchewan time and the blue jays they are sitting at 55 and 45 right now third place in the american league east but if you look at the wild card standings the jays are in that last wild card spot, two games up on Boston. So it's going to be a very exciting finish to the season these last couple months. Each week, the Sports Cage highlights a coach making a difference both on and off the playing surface. This is the Coach of the Week. Time now for our Coach of the Week, and we'll call it Coaches of the Week. It goes out to all the coaches, and many of them are parents, but some of them don't have any kids of their own on teams that coach in the Regina Youth Flag Football League. They were named as the NFL Flag Football League of the Year. Unbelievably humbling. This thing, when it started about 17 years ago, had 75 kids, and it's now ballooned to over... 3,100. So congratulations to all the coaches and all the sponsors who support in so many ways. And congratulations to Mike Thomas, who's got this thing cooking. And he will join us after 4 o'clock. Our house is your house. Welcome inside the Sports Cage on Saskatchewan Sports Radio, 620 CKRM.
Yeah, Adam Corsack, man. First of all, does your what's your recovery process when you're out there kicking as much as you were kicking uh, today and, and this far uh, into the season? Yeah, you just try to get in tomorrow morning and hit the hit the training room and and try to be a professional and do what you can. But um, you know, my recovery and you know the boys on the D line and the guys that are hitting people is a bit different for sure. You know, <laughs> and uh, I don't think that for granted at all. And but it is you're right. You just try to get yourself fresh for the next game. Yeah. Um, you know, you lead the league in in average right now, but you know, a lot of times the stats don't talk about the efficiency in which you punt and place, you know, and put teams in a bad position. How do you approach that? Because you've been really, really efficient at putting teams in bad spots and then return game. Yeah, for me, you know, when I was in college at Rutgers last year, that was a big emphasis was just putting the ball in good spots and and trying to make my punts predictable for our coverage team so we can get down there and and um, and kind of corner the, the returner because these returners are so good so you don't really want to give them too many chances and the way I punt and the way coach and, and the way we emphasize on special teams is, is that location and um, obviously it's not always perfect but I try my best out there. Talk about, um, you know, the, you, you've also shown the ability to vary, right? You can sky a ball and you can kick a low direct liner. When you, What is the process about, how do you decide what type of kick, whether it's high and far or just sort of low and driving? How do you decide that? Yeah, I think it's just important to mix it up. Like the, uh, we don't want the returner getting, again, it's that predictability of like, we don't want the returner knowing where it's going and he can, the, the boys can set up a return. So for me, it's uh, obviously today we played in a dome, so there wasn't too much wind. But um, when we're, the wind plays a factor in that for sure. And, and just, you know, the kicks, are, that's what I've liked about my experience here in the first six games is, is just trying all these different kicks in college. I was, I was a pretty one-dimensional kind of punter, and I've been able to, like, go into my bag and, and um, you know, explore different types of kicks, which, which I'm enjoying. Yeah. Well, you, I mean, yeah, you look like you're adapting quickly. So talk about, um, you know, what it's taken to sort of assimilate into the Canadian Football League game as quick as you have. Yeah, so I got to camp, um, like, halfway through camp in, in uh, Saskatchewan out there. Yeah. And... Um, just kind of like learned the little niche rules that I didn't really know and the difference between college football to CFL and and then just how I can apply my skill set in the punting game here and um, but you know the guys in the locker room have made it really easy for me obviously Brett and Jorgen being veterans and then the coaching staff is so great they emphasize special teams so much and they've been great with me and getting me adapted and I feel like you know I'm in the swing of things now and hopefully I can just keep improving and, and strive to be the best player I can you know you mentioned Jorgen I mean he's one of the most consistent long snappers we've got in the league talk and I don't think that it that fans understand how critical long snappers are when it comes to the kicking game so talk about just how how much of a, an asset he is yeah yeah absolutely he's he's so good at just being able to um put the ball in my hip every time and and that's a great feeling to know that the ball's going to be in the right spot and he's also making a few tackles and he recovered that ball today so he's just such a good teammate and off the field he's a leader and he's a veteran guy and it's just great to have um him around and and share it you know next to him in the locker and stuff like that and just again good dudes and and yeah but jorgen is one of the most consistent snappers i've ever been around that's for sure uh i'll ask you one last question you mentioned it uh two seconds ago the differences between the collegiate game ncaa in this league what's the biggest one that you've had to adjust to yeah for me it's like the uh trying to just make sure on those going in punts the the consequence of getting it in the end zones out to the 40 obviously you get the rogue in the one point but that's just such a severe penalty that right. that you know if you kick it from the 50 then it's only a 10 net and so just being 
and I don't want to be scared. I still want to go for those balls on the three and the four and the five yard line. And just that's the biggest thing for me is just getting more confident and still hitting my line and getting the ball out of bounds as close as I can to the one yard line. But um, you know, in college, I could just kick to a gunner and right. just kick it really high, and the gunner could the hard gunner on our punt team yeah. could catch it yeah, on exactly. the one. And so that's what I that's kind of how I lived in, in college, honestly. And then um, obviously now with the halo rule, that's not a thing. And if that ball goes into the end zone. That's a, that's a consequence for sure. All right, welcome back to the show. Here, that was Adam Korzak in conversation with Luke Molitor. He was our <laughs> he was our offensive game star, but he, uh, you know, field position and the way you punt the ball directionally and distance. This guy's got it all. Like he's he's got a lot of, as he says, uh, clubs in his bag. He can do a bunch of different things. And uh, I don't think Corey Vedvik's, and I like Corey. I don't think he's going to get his job back. No, I would be silly if. Corey, I love uh, I love Adam Korzak's uh, vocab too. I think it was in profiles on Countdown to Kickoff. Danielle Ponticelli was chatting with him, mm-hmm. and then he said, "You know, this game coming up versus the BC Lions is going to be a, a tough one because BC is one of the best teams in the competition." And that's just like such a yeah a, a Australian lingo. And then the Saskatchewan here, yeah, I, I, I like his vocab. <laughs> They're one kit. of the best teams in the competition. So. I'll tell you what about the BC Lions. <laughs> Two things about the British Columbia Lions singer. Number one. They can tackle. Yeah, that's a good. Can they tackle? Team. They don't. There's no broken tackles there. That's yeah. a great tackling team. Num- and they're big and physical. Number two, the CFL is so lucky that Nathan Rourke isn't here. If Nathan Rourke was playing on the BC Lions, it would be a runaway. With all due respect to the Argos, mm. like yeah, that. Oh hard my gosh! No way, man. With that receiving <laughs> core, like Vernon Adams Jr. is a good quarterback, but he's not a elite quarterback. Okay? That's not cutting them down. It's the way that it is. Dane Evans is a backup quarterback. Okay? Oh, some of those throws he was yeah. making. Ooh. And thank His go- feet were all over yeah, the place I know. that one like, time. The one, the one out when I said, hey, as a Catholic, I'll cross myself because that. thank God for that pass. He had a guy wide open in the flats, the running back, and it was like just Mm-hmm. He airmailed it. Yeah. If he hits him, it's a touchdown. Well, you look at like his feet were all over the place on yeah. that throw. Like he, his mechanics are just all yeah. over the place. So anyway, uh, good for BC, I guess, because Vernon Adams, according to our Farhad Lalji, who joins us from TSN, he doesn't have any structural damage or ligament tear, and that's, that's good, good for the CFL. So he could even be back this week. So good for them. Um, Bo Levi Mitchell's practicing. With the uh, Hamilton Tiger Cats. Do you think they feel the heat now they're going up against the Red Blacks? Oh, absolutely. Like, you know, uh, one of the reasons Bo Levi Mitchell went to Hamilton is because he didn't like the coaching situation here because there was uncertainty with Dickinson and O'Day in his mind. <laughs> I'll, tell what, t- yeah, I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what. The other coach on the hot seat has got to be that guy right there. Oh. Yeah. Orlando Steinauer. Doesn't he just look so stressed out? Well, too? I think he knows. He, he's almost those done. Pre, those post-game pressers, yeah. Yeah. like, he looks so stressed. Well, and you've got one. Well, you would be. you got Milanovic, just hang, a great cup-winning coach, just hanging in your organization there. So, I don't know. Interesting. Hey, it's not easy being a coach. Everybody wants to jump on the coach. Uh, it's why they get paid the money. you got to make the right decisions yeah. when you have to. Um, I don't think they made... But he was also in charge of the football side, too. I don't know that they made the right decisions with some of the guys they brought into that locker room. When you bring... Speaking of Hamilton. Yeah, when yeah. you bring some guys... like I, We still have a pretty... 
Like the vibe on the team, the mood is upbeat still with the Rough Riders. And no, I hear this too. Oh, it's because he's so soft on the players. That has nothing to do with it. They're they're still a tight team. So I'm I'm um I'm very interested to see how it goes here. I think ten and a half points is probably accurate for the Argos to be the favorites against the Rough Riders. But uh, BC was ten and a half going into that game too. Hey, is it just me or as a fan? I'm kind of sitting back thinking. Uh... I'm not looking past the Argos touchdown Atlantic, but I am really excited to welcome the crumb the Crumbinator to Mosaic Stadium well, August sixth. Well, you know, you're not supposed to look that far ahead, but as a media guy I can. So I was yeah. like, okay. People ask me how this game would go. I said riders would play tough and they'd probably lose by ten. I said twenty seven seventeen. Well they didn't get they didn't sniff the red zone except for once. So uh they lost by ten. I if I was a betting man, I'd put money on the Argos this week because they're just a well-oiled machine right now defending Grey Cup champs. They have not had... They do have injuries too, but they still have key players that are around. Riders have been nicked up with some key injuries, okay? So, uh, and maybe you could argue the Argos' depth is a little better right now. Um, so I'd pick Toronto to win, but I was looking at that August 6th game as, okay, that's one we could and should win. This is before Crum turned into the oh, second yeah. coming of Conrad Holloway that's running around out there. Anymore. No, that's not a gimme anymore. <laughs> no, that's not a gimme either. And then you got to turn around and go to... Like, check this out. They were in BC. Then they got to go... So they squat. I don't want to say squandered, but they... Very, well, they kind of they very No, no, they very easily could have won the Calgary game, okay? So you've knocked Calgary down and basically out. They come off the map and win, uh, mat and win that game. Then you're in BC. VA goes down on the third series of the game. Dane Evans comes in. Uh, you have an opportunity to win that game and don't. So now you're three and three. Now you go play the juggernaut Argos cross country in Halifax. Then you got to come back here and play Bob Dice's Ottawa Red Blacks. And who knows? They could be over 500 playing Hamilton. I'd put money on Ottawa right now. So you got Ottawa coming in here. And then you got to go. On five days rest, so probably uh-huh. one practice to go play. Cody Fajardo yeah. is going to be amped for the game in Montreal, where the Riders don't generally play well. And then, Zinger, you come back here and play the BC Lions again before you get a bye, and then play the Bombers back-to-back. Yeah, that's... We said before the BC game, the season in these next four or five games one, two, really three, hangs yep. in the balance. These next four games before, uh, you know, the, yep. the, the Labor Day. The bye. Yeah. That's the bye. So uh, hopefully the Rough Riders can... It would be nice if they could shock the world here uh, and then uh, come back and when beat you, Ottawa. When you look at it on paper, how many games do you see the Riders winning here? Like, I, I look at this. You know, we're, we're we're fans. We're media. We could do this. Who cares? Maybe two. Maybe two. They could... The Ottawa and Montreal are the winnable ones, yeah. in my opinion. May, maybe maybe uh, sneak away with one at home versus BC. Yeah, it could happen. We gave them a game in, in BC, so... You never know. Depends how healthy our guys get coming back. That's I think. The, that's the thing. I think if the Riders come out of these next four games two and two, that would be a that would be a, a win. It'd be beautiful if they could shock the world here against the Argos. I will tell you this right now, though, you have got to tip your cap to Jason Shivers' defense. Oh yeah, how many six sacks was yeah, it? Yeah, and another guy coming into the game. How, yeah, one of the best kept secrets in the CFL is Kent Majuri, the special teams coordinator for the Rough Riders. Hmm. He's doing a great job. I mean, no, they is. had a they had a bit of an off game coverage wise against Calgary, but they were buttoned up in this game. No, oh, the they were buttoned the, up in this the game. Tackling the defense, the special, like everything was just it was sitting right there. Yeah, it was. So it was all had, honestly. They just, just scored one touchdown. If there was just an oh. ounce of 
productivity from the offense. Consistency is what you need. How many times? I already said this. How many times did they get the ball in the first half around midfield? Huh? Three, at least three, maybe four, and, and just came away with absolutely yeah. nothing. That's just like a fan's worst nightmare. You, so you can keep the text coming here at nine three six sixty two sixty two. The text line powered by the Capital Auto Group. That's also the number to call locally or one eight six six seven six seven zero six twenty. We're going to take a break. Get to some of your calls and texts and other things too. It's the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. Your hard work, it allows the world to feed itself every day. Your rye, your wheat, and your barley. Your flax, lentils, and beans. Millions and millions of people need you to be out there. So while the world is relying on you this harvest, you can always rely on us, Ibarasa and Sons. If you need anything this busy harvest season, We'll be there. eBarassa.com The kings of Saskatchewan sports talk. This is the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. We're your voice of Rough Riders football. We're also the radio station, the, the, the radio show... In the country that always talks CFL. We don't just talk about the Riders. We talk about the entire league. And Zinger, you you would put this guy at the start of the year at the top of your running back board. You were the trendsetter. You said this guy here, A.J. Olette, was your favorite running back in the league. You know, that's true. And I appreciate you giving me credit for yeah, this. I because... had him at number three. I'm not going to lie. He was a top three for me. But I think there's no doubt right now. This guy is like, he is unbelievable. He just runs guys over. He doesn't care about his body. Why would he care about yours? Yeah, I got your back, AJ. Yeah. I was in your corner yeah. since day one, yeah. man. Yeah. Come on. My producer was in your corner since day one, AJ. Well, I appreciate that. <laughs> man, so where is that physical? Have you always been a physical player like that? Yeah, so, I mean, going back to high school, we ran the triple option, so we had the wing T. And I was a fullback in the wing tee, so it was all downhill. Whoever's in the way is going to get helmet, shoulder pads, and knees. And then I kind of just carried on uh, into college. Okay, so you play. Let's 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 paint a picture here. Okay, age. By the way, I didn't. I don't have your bio in front of me. How old are you? Uh, twenty-eight. Just turned twenty-eight, July twentieth. Oh, happy birthday, man! Happy belated birthday. Okay, so AJ, uh, it's a Sunday game. When are you feeling good again after the way you play? After a Sunday game, how long does it uh, take you to feel good again? Um, so that just depends on how much sleep the coaches give us the next day. <laughs> Sometimes these away games, we're, we're getting back into the facility with four hours of sleep, and that normally takes maybe two days for me to start feeling good. Mm-hmm. But this past game, next day I was a little sore, but didn't feel like I went through uh, uh, the gauntlet. Um, like some of these games, I feel like. So I'm going to say two days, and I'm I'm back to normal. Take me back to that game. You guys beat the Hamilton Tiger Cats, your arch rivals, just down the the highway there. Um, yeah, that was a, a solid win there in Hamilton. Always nice to win one there. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm trying to think of the last time coach coach said it was like ten years or something. Last time we won there at night, um, <laughs> and all that, and then we ended up getting a hotel room the night before the game, which we don't normally do, but Coach said he wanted to treat it like a true road game so we can go in there and play our best, um, which worked out for us. So I expect next time we'll be at a hotel again. Um, 
But, yeah, getting into the game, um, we knew that their, you know, D-line, um, they, they're, that's one of the strongest suits on their defense. Linebackers are aggressive. Um, and then they just kind of filled in their, their boundary half and Sam um, quite a bit to try to stop the run, which I knew, uh, you know, midway through that first quarter, our receivers were going to have a, a, a heyday. And it showed on, like, the first three drives. Yeah, I mean, how proud are you for guys like you, Andrew Harris, to, you know, you get that kind of attention, and that does open things up. Because Chad Kelly is showing that he's a great quarterback. We've had him on the show a couple of times, got an engaging personality, too. Some would call it arrogant, but I I like it. Um, um, But he's a guy that can sling it, but he's getting time because of A.J. Olette and Andrew Harris. How much pride do you take in that? Yeah, I mean, that's, that's what we uh, are, we tip our hat off on um, in the running back room. First off, uh, pass protection. You gotta you know give uh, give him the time to throw it. But um, secondly, if you can uh, bring down the extra safeties, bring in the the Sam backer, it's just gonna open up windows. And uh, Chad's arm is unbelievably strong, so he can fit it in tight windows. And the windows just get bigger with the the safeties and. Um, you know, halves coming down to try to stop the run. Well, we know what he can do, at least in uh, when he's throwing into the fire at the end of last year at the Grey Cup. I'm talking about Chad Kelly. But there was some doubt, hey, MBT was the quarterback. Can Chad Kelly do it over the long haul? Did you ever have any doubts, or why did you know, I guess a better way of putting it, why did you know he'd be a good leader for this team? Um, you can see the competitive edge he has. Um, all year last year, he wanted to be the guy. But he took the opportunity to learn behind uh, uh, McLeod. Um, and I'm sure he learned a, a bunch from him like I did through the years. Um, and then through the offseason, he was always, you know, chatting with us. Hey, can we, get, can we get you up here for this time to, you know, go through some plays? Can you meet us down south, go run some routes and all that? So I'm like, this dude's ready to uh, put in the work, compete, and uh, ready to win. A.J. Olette joining us here, the outstanding running back for the Toronto Argonauts. Your riders will face uh, face uh, him this uh, week at Touchdown Atlantic. We'll get into that in a second. So you come up here, you, you, you talked about a very uh, thunderous running back. You're going to crush guys. Uh, were you always good out of the backfield? Was that one of the things you had to you know, sharpen here to play in the Canadian Football League? Um, not really. Um all through, you know, growing up playing youth sports and all that, I was always, you know, athletic. And then when it came to football, um, if there was a receiver that needed to be out there, I went out and played receiver. Mm-hmm. Um, once I got to college, those kind of tools went in the back of the closet, I should say, because <laughs> I was more of a downhill running back. And then we didn't use running backs in the past game too much. Um, so I feel like no one ever kind of knew I had that, that tool ready to use. Um, so I'm I'm happy I got to show it last year, and um, eventually get to you know add into the past game this year. So you talked about McLeod, Bethel Thompson teaching you some things. I'm I'm sure Andrew Harris has taught you some things. What what have they taught you about our game that you've been able to use in the uh, quote unquote toolbox? Um, Andrew's you know yeah, since last year he was huge and helped me in the run game. Um, trying to figure out um, basically fit and frontline movements and all that, because I, I tell people back home, I said, once you get used to, you know, you get past the second level, then you got to outrun everyone. Up here in the Canadian uh, Football League, you got your safety playing so high, you got the extra DB on the field. you got to 
third and fourth level you have to get through after you get past the linebacker. Um, so that was the biggest thing is trying to figure out where the DBs are going to be after you break through um, the line and get past the linebackers and all that. Um, and then McLeod um, just helping me visualize the field um, like a quarterback would. Um, blitz has come. Obviously, I need to protect him. So seeing the field like he does is huge. And um, with him being in the league for so long, his ability to handle the pressure um, when things don't go your way, kind of how to, how to go to the next play and um, forget about maybe a, a, black, a bad play that you had and stuff like that. So those are the two things that those guys kind of helped me with. AJ Olette joining us here. Now, I was going to say, what do you like about our game? But it's your game, too. You're a big part of it. You're one of the big stars. So what do you like about this game we call the three-down game, the Canadian Football League? Um, I tell people back home, I said, only because I'm a running back, if they had a fourth down, it would be uh, uh, the best game on the planet. Um, <laughs> but I do like the passing and all that. Um, the waggle. It's more entertaining, and then obviously for me, number one is special teams, how there's always a return. Um, big plays can be happening, bigger field. So I'm going to say number one special teams is why the, uh, the game is so you know fascinating to me. I'm glad you said that. And it's, it's, it's kind of cool, too, like a star running back like A.J. Olette in this league also has to quote unquote don't take this the wrong way it's a tur- it's a it's a positive phrase he also has to dig a ditch meaning he has to go out and do some grunt work and play special teams which i think is a cool aspect of our game oh yeah for sure um i'm always trying to uh find ways to get on special teams i know uh coach mickey our uh special teams coordinator is probably tired of me asking him um he doesn't want me to get hurt running down there making tackles on kickoff and punt and all that but that's how I uh, that's how I made the team the first few years I was up here. So that's a that's a part of the game that I'm kind of missing right now. And you're playing the Saskatchewan Rough Riders and Touchdown Atlantic for the second straight game. There's or second straight year. Pardon me. There's going to be a lot of pomp and pageantry around it. But I know as the Grey Cup champs, you're used to that. Right here in Regina, you won it. What do you see from the Rough Riders, or what are you thinking you're going to face here from a very good Rough Riders defense that uh, went toe to toe with the good BC Lions team and only gave up one touchdown? Yeah, that's what uh, we were digging into today for film. It's a physical defense up front, and I'm uh, I'm looking forward to that. Um, they're not too fancy. I think that's because they have athletes, and they got strong athletes on their defense, so they don't have to do anything fancy to beat you. Um, so I'm looking forward to the, the toe-to-toe, you know, slug-out uh, match that we're going to have. Well, man, I thank you for taking time out of your schedule. Really appreciate it, and I really do enjoy your work. And I'm with my uh, producer now, Sean Kleisinger. You're the number one running back in the league. I think there's no doubt about that. Continued success, but not on Saturday, okay? I have to say that as I'm the radio announcer for the team. So not on Saturday, but I do wish you best of health, though, that game, okay? I got you. I appreciate it very much. Thank you guys very much. Take care. That is A.J. Olette running back for the Toronto Argonauts. We'll be back. Well, no, we got a minute here to kill Zinger. We got a minute to kill AJ Olet. Um, a man, what a great guy, and what a what a football player. He he reminds me 
a more athletic Blake Marshall. Remember that running back for Edmonton, the mm-hmm. big fullback would just run over guys? Mm-hmm. That's who he reminds me of. Just, oh. just three yards and a cloud of dust, although he turns it into 33 yards and a cloud of dust. And he, I love I loved the eye black. I love yeah. the hair. Yeah. He, I, love, I love his biceps. He just looks like an absolute warrior he? Out there. he looks I like wanna, a warrior. I want an A.J. Ouellette jersey. That, I'm, I'm getting to Hey, hey, hey we're on a rider I, station. Hey, I, you can't do it yet. After this you're, week. You're talking to a guy who has a Conridge Holloway Argo jersey okay. in his closet. I like to collect them. I don't wear them. You okay? could get it. You just can't wear it this week, okay? And certainly not right, on game fine, day. Fine. That's fine. Compromise. Maybe he'll send me, maybe he'll send me a game-worn one. And then <laughs> He's a CFL back. He doesn't have all the money in the world. Hey, but I was his number one supporter since day one. Oh, yeah, that's true. Oh, yeah. Hey, this is the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. RM is proud to be the official radio partner of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders and your home for the hottest sports talk anywhere. This is the Sports Cage with your host, Michael Ball. And let's get going. Hour number two, 936-6262. The number to call locally or one 866 And the number to text is 936-6262. All our guests come via via the Western Pizza Hotline. You can ask in store about their Rough Riders suite deal, and then you could be in the running to watch a Rough Rider game in a luxury suite at Mosaic Stadium. Let's talk to uh, the head of football, Saskatchewan, and he's the guy behind the Regina NFL Youth Flag Football League, Mike Thomas. Hi, Mike. How are you? Not too bad, Ballsy. How you doing today, buddy? Not too bad. You were just down, I think, in Atlanta, Georgia, if I'm not mistaken. Um and is the, the weren't, didn't we get some sort of award here? Tell us about it. <laughs> yeah, you know, we, uh, we were down in Atlanta uh, for the uh, NFL Flag Summit that was held. And uh, the Regina Youth Flag Football League was named the NFL Flag League of the Year amongst all of the leagues that they operate in North America. And so it was a surreal moment. Uh, one that uh, a lot of emotion comes along with it and a lot of thank yous for many, many people who've uh, been with us over the years and just the families and support. It was uh, it was a, a great moment uh, to be able to receive that award. Damn, son, that's a great. Tell you what, what was that? That was uh, I can say that because you're younger than me. So you, so not maybe not that much younger, but okay. So wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. So this is like, is it 18 years going on this league? Uh, this was year 17. Okay, right. uh, we'll be in the fall. 18 will be in, in 24. Um, so, yeah. yeah. So, check this out. Check this out, Thomas. You could, you could fill us in, but I believe when you started, Mike, it was like 75, 80 kids. And now where are we at? Yeah, you're, you're bang on. There were 75 kids in the first year. And uh, this past season, we had uh, 3,000. 193 players in the league for the 2023 spring season. Wow. So how, how did it how did it grow this fast? Like why do you think it grew this fast here in Saskatchewan? Um, you know, I would definitely have to say the people for for first and foremost, you know, we've had a a great amount of volunteers, good individuals that have allowed the game to be played and coached to young people um, and, you know, boys, girls, men, women, aunts, uncles, cousins that have been selfless and giving their time back to the community. Mm-hmm. I think obviously, you know, we've put up uh, a very good mission vision that we have in terms of what we wanted to achieve for our league. 
and people bought in. Uh, and with that, you know, I think also it's been great value for a lot of people. But at the end of the day, if you're a parent and your child plays in a sport and the child enjoys themselves and you yourself find that it was great value, not overpriced, and it was, the timing was right, and you enjoyed yourself, that makes you want to return annually. And that makes you want to be able to spread the good word to maybe a friend that might be looking for an activity for their child to join. So, you know, when we come full circle with this, that's why I always give all the praises to the people that have been with us from day one or have been our foundational builders or just people who might have been in the, the league for one year that they've enjoyed themselves and looking to return. Because without those individuals, uh, we would be nothing. You know, um, you know, this past season, as I mentioned, you know, just shy of 3,200 kids. We had over 278 teams, uh, close to 610 coaches, if I'm correct, over 100 officials. So there's a lot of people that are giving their time to a cause, a cause being a sport, which is allowing their child to be able to participate with friends um, from their schools or their, their neighborhoods, uh, create long-lasting memories, but then giving them a chance to, to explore and be a part of a game that we've all grown up to love so much here in Saskatchewan. Absolutely. Mike Thomas joining us here. So, uh, Mike, the one... I. I've coached in this league because my kid played in this league, and there are a lot of parents like me that have coached in this league, and it's cool. You get to take the jersey home at the end of the year. The jerseys are uh, interchangeable, meaning on one side you're the road Carolina Panthers, and the other side you're the home Carolina Panthers. It, it, it's awesome. Um, what I really like and I have a lot of respect for are the 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 adults – and a lot of them are young adults, and a lot of them are like Thunder or Ram players that don't have a kid in the game. Uh, they're just there to coach, and they don't they don't have a kid that's their own, which I think is really cool. Yeah, absolutely. They got no stake in the game. That's the way you look at it, honestly. And we've got a great partnership with U of R Rams and with the Regina Thunder in this aspect. We would also have one with the Regina Riot, but it's right during their season, so they usually help us out with our fall program. Mm -hmm. So all of the amateur football programs in the city help in some capacity. And for some, there are kids that graduate and are done that come back to come and coach after the, after the fact. Or there's some that are high school students that don't even have a sibling playing in the league that come and coach because they want to be a part of something special or they want to be able to give back. And so that is the neatest part really about all of this is the understanding that at some point in time, for anyone that's ever played this game, no matter how old or young they are, there was someone that gave their time to help them be where they are. Mm -hmm. So when we ask them in return, hey, can you give back to the community that you're in or to the area that you're in so that a little boy or girl can play, we normally have no resistance whatsoever. Mm -hmm. And if there is, we just explain to them what it is that they'd be doing, the limited time that they would have to commit and what the enjoyment that they get out of it. And usually it's a yes. 10 out of 10 times. So, you know, that's been the beauty part about it is that the football community has embraced the sport and it's at a time frame that allows them to participate. And the return on that is these little boys and girls that end up going to a Thunder game, a Ram game, or a Riot game to cheer on their coach, which is now on the field, and they get to see it be it. You know, mm -hmm. I see that person as my coach. 
I can go and play that. Or I see that girl that was my coach. I could be a female coach as well. Or I could be an official. Or I can go play for the Riot. So that is probably the biggest component of this, as you just mentioned, for giving back. That has been an awesome uh, driver for all three of our elite teams here in the city. So take off that flag hat and put on the football Saskatchewan hat. We just went through the Canada Cup, U18, and uh, it was tough for the kids and the coaches, man. I don't think people, some people don't realize this. You don't just show up. Like, there's training, there's rounds of cuts, there's there's everything that goes into it, and you guys got to the cusp of playing for a fourth straight championship um, and it didn't materialize. I just want your thoughts on that. I've talked to uh, Jim Mullen about it. Uh, I know there's some parents that were pretty upset that they didn't, you know, and the players were upset. I'm sure the coaches were upset. So it's never an easy situation, but just I never got your comment on this. Yeah, you know, it definitely was a difficult situation that we were able to or be able to that we were part of. Um, and it's not one that has uh, ever been done before. So it's unprecedented in a lot of natures. Um, you know, the one thing, of course, with being at the event and, and being a part of Football Saskatchewan, I was right in the forefront and seeing some of the different options that were being presented or looked at or, or what the decisions were being done. And, you know, coming into the game day itself, um, you know, the one thing that we were able to have access to, which uh, is probably unbeknownst to many, is the is the sophisticated weather system that they actually have at Commonwealth Stadium, which I was quite impressed with. And uh, they were able to, the operators were able to showcase every situation in Alberta um, on the Saturday, and uh, the situation was not good uh, compared to what we had been told or thought was going to happen. But, of course, as you know, things change, winds change, temperatures change, and those types of things. And uh, for some options that were being put on the table, um, the decision for those situations to unfold, uh, we would have had to have done a lot of things at 6 a.m. in the morning for that to happen, and, and that was not decided upon on the Friday night. Um, you know, it was decided to wait on Saturday, and if things were in a situation where we could play Saturday morning, that we would, but it wasn't. And then, obviously, um, you know, the decision to travel uh, was one that was made too late or not uh, quick enough in order for that to go on. So, um, you know, it was uh, it was one that, you know, there was a lot of things that went on that I would say, people don't know um, where teams and provinces sacrificed their opportunity to play a game so that we could play. Uh, and those were teams that had a lot at stake, um, you know, considering that there was a province that had never won a game past the first round at, at Canada Cup or even second round, and they were in a position to play in the 5-6 game, and that's speaking of New Brunswick and Nova Scotia. Um, and they said, hey, we will sacrifice ourselves playing so you guys can play. And, you know, the 7-8 game, even though it's a, you know, a placement game for them, BC and Manitoba were in the same boat. So there were a lot of provinces that wanted this to happen. But we also had to be cognizant of a safety risk and aspect that was being presented that wasn't one that was, a, I would say, a viable component. Because you ask yourself this, would a Canadian team go to the final and all of a sudden want to decide they can't play the game, but they're going to decide it by having a shootout? I'm pretty sure we know what the answer is going to be like that. So those are some things. And of course, in a facility that may, that may, that did pose um, physical risks and harm for kids. The last thing we'd ever want is if you entrust your son to be a part of our program, that we would put him in harm's way and not be able to perform uh, adequately, not only on the field, but potentially not even have an opportunity to play in the fall due to a massive injury that could have occurred. So there was a lot of different things that came up. Um, I, 
can't sit here and honestly say that uh, you know um, we were severely disappointed because uh, it's there's I don't think there's words that could really describe it. But unless we lived in Vancouver, there's only one indoor facility that could have uh, effectively been able to have the event be ran with the circumstances from the forest fires um, that we were faced with. So mm-hmm. definitely disappointing. Um, you know, there I think there will be some sort of resolution in some capacity. Um, you know, the one that we put forward, which would be to look at having something potentially down the road, um, is one that is very, very expensive in nature. Um, and I cannot foresee the national office potentially going in that route however there has been discussion about it um there's so many different uh aspects that come up with this um that i don't know if that's going to be realistic and the longer we keep progressing is the the further that the chances becoming of that happening Mm -hmm. but with all that being said um this team was one that was led by once again Dwayne mason and the crew that we had they were unbelievable they had such attention to detail um, I tell you what, I don't bet a lot on things uh, and, you know, in terms of, uh, you know, obviously, you know, you bet your buddy you can finish something or whatever. Hmm. But this team going to the final, we, I felt that this was going to be number four. Um, this team was focused. It was ready. It was attentive. And I'll just put it to you this way, um, Ballsy, is the fact that regardless of everything going on on that day on the Saturday, our team was prepared and ready to play the game at night when they told us that there was an opportunity. The other province we were playing, who we all know who they were, came in just their jersey and their pants. They were not ready to play. Our boys were. We were ready to strap them on and get rolling. Hmm. Um, and so, you know, that in itself, I think, was a message that we were ready. And I don't know if they were quite ready. And if there was the chance to play, it would have been a scramble effect on their end to get things going. Whereas in for us, we were prepared to go. Awesome. So, you know, that is the part that I look back on. And for instance, some of those players that were on that team just won a gold medal this past weekend playing U18 flag. So again, showing you we are good to go no matter what sphere it's on, whether if it's on the gridiron with tackle or we're on the non-contact side with flag. We are a province that's not meant to be messed with because we will take it above and beyond where people think and finish higher than what people expect. And we got the best NFL youth flag football league in North America, and this guy's a big partner. Thanks for your time, Mike Thomas. Appreciate it. Thank you very much, Ballsy. Appreciate you guys, and uh, thanks for the support all over the years. And uh, again, go Riders. Yeah, onwards and upwards for sure. We'll be back with more of the Sports Cage in a moment on 620 CKRM. Time now for the Cage Clutch Performer on 620 CKRM. Okay, you're my sponsorship guy, Zinger, get ready. But uh, the Clutch Performer, it's pretty easy. Don't call it a crumb back. I've been here for two and a half games. That's Dustin Crumb, quarterback of the Ottawa Red Blacks. He had uh, 257 yards passing and two touchdowns, ran for another 67. And for the second straight game, the Red Blacks come up with an overtime victory. All three of their wins have come against Western Division teams, Edmonton, Winnipeg, and Calgary. They got Hamilton next, and then they're here to take on your Rough Riders on August the 6th. Dustin Crum, a MAC conference quarterback like Zach Kalaros, yeah. is our clutch performer, and our clutch performer is for... Nick Service in Emerald Park, your local Massey Ferguson challenger, Rogator, Gleaner, and Fent dealer. Give them a call at 781 781- 1077. You're listening to the radio home of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. The Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. 
texts are flying in here. People are fired up. Uncle Lorne in York, and we thought he was dead. We haven't heard from Uncle Lorne in years. Thanks, Uncle Lorne, for coming back. He says, sorry, Ballsy and Zinger. Riders aren't going to win another game this year, and you could take that to the bank. We need Harris. Um, I don't know about that. They'll win some games. I still think they can reach eight. Eight's doable. Well, I didn't oh, think yeah. he was dead. We haven't heard from Uncle Lorne in a long time. His phone got broken or something. Uh, Where have you been, Uncle yeah. Lorne? We've been worried sick about you. This is Jack. You can't just be sliding yeah, you just, yeah, you just can't like DM this. us. Yeah, is that really you, Uncle Lorne? I don't know, man. Can't I don't believe know. my eyes when I saw that. Oh, he's alive. <laughs> hey, what is that? Is pop? Oh, yes, Uncle Lorne. Uncle Lorne's alive. Paul Bear, he's dead. Paul Bear's dead. Yeah, he's gone. He dead. Undertaker's still R. alive. R.I.P. Uh, O'Day needs to go, says Jack and Regina. He's the only constant over the past 10 years. Who would have thunk during that November night in 2013 that we wouldn't return to a Grey Cup for at least another 10 years? This is Jack's words, not mine. O'Day's overrated and has anchored this franchise for too many years. Apple in a roadmap. I don't know about that. Dude's, uh, dude's brought in talent this year. Injuries have... Uh, Hit this team hard. I know they've hit other teams as well, but uh, we're like on our third tackles already. Um, this one is an anonymous texter. Please call out Craig when you talk to him today. That'd be Craig Dickinson joining us after five. Get your Texan, by the way, about his horrible coaching mistakes every single game. Eh, I don't know if he makes horrible coaching mistakes every single game. There were a couple of... Um, head scratchers for me, but I'm not the coach. I'm just the radio announcer. Dale from Red Deer. Heard the People's Champion Sheldon on the Riders Roundtable. If you missed the Sports Cage Radio Roundtable, you can go back and listen to it. We have it on Rider Radio. There's a podcast. I am going to listen to it because I. Who is, lo- who is this guy? Oh, Sheldon is. He's a he's a beauty. When he gets fired up and they lose, you got to You got to check it out. I obviously was flying home and I've listened back to the game. I'm just getting to the post game part now. Um, just to see how the broadcast sounded. Uh, that guy tells it like it is. Uh, Sheldon should have a weekly segment. Yeah, but less is more. When you have mm-hmm. them less, less is more. Uncle Uncle Lorne yeah, knows that. Uh, uh, <laughs> don't really see the our it factor in fine. So he doesn't see fine, does uh, Dale, as the quarterback. I don't know, man. He threw for 284 yards. He had two bad picks. But he's only started what three games? Yeah. Let's give the guy give the guy a little bit of time. Listen, Crum is on fire, but other quarterbacks have started on fire too and never materialized. I don't think that's going to be the case with he's Crum. He's the Crumminator. But other people, like not everybody, develops at the same uh, rate. And I think Mason Fine. I think they need to take the shackles off him a little bit and let him start throwing the ball a little more downfield. You he's an accurate, I, I strong arm quarterback. I agree. I like to say. I like to see that. I want to ask Coach when we have him on there. Like let 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 it rip, man. By the way, another thing. I think, and this is no disrespect to the guys we have on our team right now. July twenty fourth, two thousand twenty three. Tevin Jones is the best receiver on the Rough Riders. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. And a special teams guy. And he's big, too. He's like 6'2", 200 and some pounds. Yeah. 
A lot of different receivers uh, got the ball, though, on uh, on Saturday. I was looking at the final stat line, like four catches here, three catches. Yeah. It was, it was well, like, you had uh, you had uh, Emelis, you had uh, Bain Jr. Bain had. Jr. at seven. Um, you had um, Tevin Jones. Uh, they did dump it out to Morrow a couple of times. Man. Alberta Watchy had one. Yeah, two. Two, two. yeah. Well, I'm just I thinking tell, of the one. I will, you know, I, I the will one. tell you, Morrow is lucky he didn't wreck his knee. And the only reason he didn't wreck his knee on that one swing pass is when he caught the ball, his leg, if you go back and watch game, his leg was in the air. If it was planned, that he would have broke something. Mm-hmm. And it was a clean play in terms of the rules. But, man, I think that was Edwards Cooper that came down and, and, and tracked him down out of the backfield and hit him. But, man, that was kind of dangerous. Good for uh, good for him that he didn't get uh, hurt. Um, and for VA, that looked like that didn't look good. VA's going to be okay, though, it looks like. Yeah, he's so. going to be okay. I don't get this tech. Basically, uh, O'Day needs to bring in his own guys. He's only gotten other teams' players. He sucks. No, <laughs> probably shouldn't even have read that one. Listen to me. Go back and look at that. The draft picks. Uh, Tevin Jones. There's a guy. He brought Tevin Jones in. Okay? He uh, brought Keen Schaefer Baker in on a fourth round pick. Just two guys off the top. CJ Revis. I believe that was a Jeremy O'Day, Kyle Carson find. So, I don't know. Uh, this is from Bill and Carlisle. Our offense just can't stay healthy. Hard for fine to work with all the next men up. We will be better when we get some guys back. Yeah, I believe we will, but every team navigates injuries. They gotta, listen, they gotta cut it loose and let it go. That nobody, especially this game, nobody thinks the Riders are winning this game. Nobody on the planet thinks the Riders are gonna win this game. The 5 and 0 Argos, defending Grey Cup champs. Riders are 10 and a half point dogs. You know what? Clink, clink, take off the shackles. Let's, Let's let it rip, baby. Let's let it go. Neutral site game. Yeah. Maybe no, it won't be bull- new- neutral bull- site. Yeah. Neutral location. It's both, not neutral both site. teams have to hop on a charter, but obviously the riders plane ride, and you're going to be on it. That's a long We flight. got way more fans. That's right. It's going to come down to whether the radio announcers are tired or not. That's what the game's going to come that's down to. That's basically what I'm saying, yeah. and the internet connection. That's that's the key. <laughs> We're going to take a break and be back with more of the Sports Cage in a moment on 620 CKRM. And it's 4.33 with your sports ticker, and it's brought to you by Bronco Plumbing and Heating, where professional service is guaranteed. They will treat you right. All you have to do is pick up the phone and give them a call. 781-2090. The Toronto Blue Jays in action tonight. It's a rare meeting in L.A. at Dodgers Stadium versus the Los Angeles Dodgers. It's a 7.40 p.m. opening pitch, so I love those West Coast games. You can just kick back, relax, put your feet up. Have a Coca-Cola, maybe. Watch some baseball. The Blue Jays, they are two games up for that final wild card spot in the American League going into play tonight. The Sports Cage is your voice for football. Not only in the province, but around Canada. This is the Sports Cage CFL Report. A look at what's happening in our three-down game. Spread right fakes fear. Play pass 16 counter ZD bang. Full back west right zoom. Full back left. Pass half back at zero. Z quick screen left. On one. Right. 
And we'll talk about Vernon Adams Jr., who was sacked by Pete Robertson on the third series of that Rough Rider loss in BC. Adams left the game and didn't return, but Farhan Lalji of TSN reporting that his left knee is structurally sound. There's no ligament damage, and he should be back soon. He might even play this week. When you think about all the things the Ottawa Redblacks have tried at quarterback, and Dustin Crum appears to be the real deal. Crum led the Ottawa Redblacks to a second straight overtime victory, this time 43-41 in Calgary. The Redblacks are 3-3 and have won all three of their games now against the West. Crum has thrown for 667 yards and four touchdowns and ran for 257 yards and two touchdowns in just over two and a half games since taking over as the Red Black starting quarterback. Good for Ottawa. Could be bad news for the Riders in a couple of weeks. Our CFL report brought to you by Kevin's Marine in Fort Coppell. Make the most of summer with a boat or pontoon from Kevin's Marine. Check them out in person in Fort Coppell or online at kevinsmarine.com. Saskatchewan's best coverage of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders is on the Sports Cage, right here on the Mighty 620 CKRM. Keep the text coming, 936-6262, or uh, you can call that number locally, or one 877 All our texts, powered by the Capital Auto Group, all our guests come to you via the Western Pizza Hotline. Get it hot, get it fast at Western Pizza. We've got Coach Craig Dickinson, as we do each Monday, coming up. Live after 5 o'clock. Hey, there was some news in the uh, CFL. Bo Levi Mitchell's back on the practice field. Coming off the sixth game, getting set to take on the uh, Ottawa Red Blacks. The um, Edmonton Elks have cut former Rough Rider Toby Antigua defensive end. And Maurice French, the receiver who has had some... Pretty good catches for them. I'm surprised yeah. to see them let French go, but uh, maybe there's not enough room now. Maybe they're looking to add uh, Eugene Lewis and uh, and maybe Manny Arsenal back to the roster. I'm not sure. Although it, it just bothers me seeing his name on the back of his jersey with two Fs. It just oh, yeah, I just wish I could yeah. peel one off. You yeah, know? it does. It does. <laughs> Almost as bad as the, the other one that drives me nuts. Zero's a bad number. Oh, no yeah. disrespect, Roland Milligan Jr., but double zero like that Maru. Yeah. Marua? Yeah. Maruo for the Bombers? Yeah, we saw that this weekend. A guy wearing double zero. Yeah, the Bomber guy. Yeah. yeah. Brutal. Taylor Powell needs to yeah. trade his number. Yeah, he Come does. on, doesn't he want to look good? Yeah, he actually didn't look too bad in that yeah, game. Yeah, yeah, he, he ended he up some, looking pretty good. He had some moments like when when, when you called and you go, this guy's a bum. <laughs> then, <laughs> then, the, yeah, then he started playing good he started, after that. So you need to, that's what you need to do. The moral of the story yeah, is exactly. get Singer against you. That's right. And then you, you'll turn it around. All right. So, uh, Sean, I got to point out two things. Went to a movie yesterday. I strongly encourage people to go check out the Jim Caviezel one uh, called Sound of Freedom. It's about human trafficking and mostly of kids. I don't know that I'd send you you to that movie because you got young kids. Mine are a little older, but uh, that's something worth going to see. Uh, It's at the Landmark Cinema. It's going to make me mentally ill here. No, 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 no. It's a great. It's a the the human trafficking business is a hundred and fifty billion dollar business in the U.S. Because you can, tr- you could trade cocaine or drugs, you know, one time. You could trade. They say you could trade, and this is a sick stat. You could trade a five-year-old kid five times a day for ten years. That's just brutal. 
And and you, uh, it's it's a very disturbing movie. I Can we just talk about the new Barbie movie? Uh, I, t- I tell you that. Well, you'll want to eat popcorn. Probably the Barbie movie. This one's a heavy movie, but it's very uh, important to see. I think it's actually it only costs fifteen million to make, uh, and it's absolutely. You know what? Pumping Indiana Jones, which came out at the same time, and Indiana Jones cost like ten times that to make. Who's in this movie? Huh? Jim Caviezel, Mira Savino, is a few people. But yeah, it was uh, it, Disney's been sitting on it for like five years. They wouldn't release it, and then this Angel Studio bought it. So yeah, anyway, I watched that. I left the Red Blacks Calgary game early to go watch that one. Got to give the significant other some uh, some. Did you go to the uh, landmark? But that's the only place it's showing. It's only oh, being wow. shown in s- select theaters. Okay. Okay, and then I got to bring this up, Zinger. So about two weeks ago, I had a dream that I broke up with my significant other. It was soul-crushing. Then I had a dream that my son broke up with his girlfriend about a week ago. Wow. And then yesterday, Zinger... I had a dream you and I had a major fight, and I was absolutely sad. I was so mad. We wouldn't talk to each other. Like, it was terrible. What's going on I with have your no, mind? I have no idea. Am I going to lose something? We got to like, t- like, we, we take you to a shrink. I felt so sick to my stomach that you and I were fighting, like, so mad. Like, we were <laughs> we were MFing each other in the control room. Like, we were just like, and I was like, I, I can't stand that guy. And we would, you would come to the building. And you would you'd make sure I was at the opposite end of the building, and then you still operated my show, but I had to be in a different room. Like, what people don't understand is we used to do this show. You were where you are now, and whoever was hosting this show would be in the other room. Yeah. And when I took it over, I'm like, no, we got to be. Let's be quaint about it. Let's talk back and forth more. Like, I co-hosts. think I brought it to the table. The idea of it. You want to fight? <laughs> do you want to <laughs> do this thing again? That's why we fight. Anyway, you did bring it to the table, and I like it. Yeah, good no. idea. I felt like I was in serving hard time at Alcatraz every single day at like four o'clock before because I was the only one in this dark room, and like people would walk by me and like, mm-hmm. God, what a nightmare that was. So and I'm I get thankful. I, and I was so mad at you. I was like, I buy that guy booster juices. I buy him suppers. Like what? I drive him home, and he's still mad at me. Why is he mad at me? Yeah, that reminds me. I had a I had a nightmare last night along the same lines that my uh, wife and I broke up. Yeah, and. and for the like the first 15 minutes when I woke up I felt like so down in the dumps I uh, felt like something was I wrong know. and it it took me a while to snap out of I it I hate that when it ruins it ru- you wake up and it ruins your day like it's if you the brain have, like if you have a bad like and when I came in today, I came in today, and you were kind of grumpy. Like, you're kind of edgy, and I'm like, is this the dream coming to life? Right? You, you, I was grumpy? You kind of have a feeling about somebody what, because, it, like, it's not their fault. Like, one time my girlfriend had a dream that I, like, cheated on her, and she got mad. She woke up, and she was mad at me for, like, the first half an hour of the day. I'm like, I didn't do it. I was sleeping right next to you. You ever have those dreams? Yeah, I just told I had one last night. All the time. Yeah, but were you mad at were you mad at her when you got up? Yeah, it's it's happened before. <laughs> I know, Ballsy. I just told you. I just told you, about it. I had one. <laughs> you I have tell, them all the time. See, they make it, you sick for like 15, 20 minutes. Yeah. So I came in here. I was like, "Is he that mad? I didn't bring him a booster juice today." Anyway, <laughs> I'm they, trying to think what what was I doing when he came in. I can't. Uh, you were. I said, "How's it going?" You went, "Okay." I was like, holy cow, is he mad? You're looking at the computer. <laughs> Don't you know who I am by now? That's kind of what I am. You know, people... You're t- moody, eh? Uh, I just... I give off a vibe that I'm grumpy when really that's just my personality, oh. you know? 
You know, really? oh, quit it. <laughs> okay. Quippy, goofy. Okay. I'll tell you what. You know, you know who's good, and we know what he brings to the table every day. That is Larry Dean. He was our D game star. Here's what he had to say after the game. Um, hey, listen. Strategically, uh, I really felt like you guys came out and and were consistent most of the game. What was the game plan going into this BC Lions game with the Dolphins? You know, could score. Yeah, exactly. Uh, hats off to Coach Shivers, man. He was in his bag tonight. Uh, yeah. Very aggressive, and uh, you know, it showed. You're a guy that they they used really well today. I felt you know you got to you got to basically you know roam and, and attack. Is that sort of where you like like what is what is your sort of? I know you you know you'll do whatever you can to help the team, but you know do you like getting aggressive versus dropping back in the coverage things like that? Like you say, I think it's just what the opportunity presents and what the what the week calls for. And this week it was you know trying to mug up a little bit to get our big guys and some one on ones. Yeah. And uh, you see what happened when we were able to do that. But at the same time, it's whatever the defense calls for me to do you guys um obviously you, yourself too you watch a lot of special teams film right um and you have uh, you have some of the starters from the defense on those special teams talk about how how proud you are of the guys that prepare game in and game out to do both roles because it showed today on the cover units oh uh, yeah definitely uh it was big time and you know it's three phases to the game and they're all equal uh offense defense and special teams and really we consider the defense to be two-thirds because a lot of our defensive players play and start on either a special team or defense so it goes hand man with us and we sit and watch tons of film on special teams also and go over a lot of game situations so when plays like that happen we aren't surprised or shocked about it um you know brian cox jr went down again today Jaden dalkey didn't finish the game talk to me about just sort of what the conversations that you like to have with some of the guys that are filling in for those critical spots because lake corte moore came out played well in spots right you had guys rotating in your secondary again how do you leave and lead in that situation uh, you know they've been coached up well they know what to do we We've all been put in situations where, okay, this guy's down just in practice. This guy's down, step up or whatever. So when they come in, it's just, hey, let's play. You, yeah. you know what you're here to do. Uh, we don't expect no let off when you come in or whatever. It's next guy up mentality, and I think we truly mean that, though. Right. You know, and the last last question I'll ask you, obviously, this was a discouraging win. I maybe have a couple more questions, but, you know, talked about, I mean, you finished the first third of the year now. You're 503-3. You know, talk about some of the positives that you really like moving forward into this next sort of phase of the year? I just feel like we're a close-knit group uh, throughout the whole game. It was just, it was never a head down. It was never uh, someone getting on the offense or the offensive player getting on the defensive player or a special teams guy. We were all together and we stuck through it until the clock hit triple zero. And uh, I think that's one of the mo things that I'm most proud of is how close-knit our group is and our never-say-die attitude. I know it sounds cliche, but truly believe that's what we have in this locker room. Right, right. And so, you know, the, the final thing is, you know, you, you, to support an offense that's, that's having uh, trouble moving the ball a, a consistently, you know, uh, in order to come out continually, especially to the crowd, the clock says zero and at a high level, you know, um, where does the credit go for some, the ability to do that, right? Like, how is it How is it um, not getting frustrated at certain points? Because it happens, right? Mindset, and uh, that's what we get paid to do. We get right. paid to play defense. We don't get paid to play offense. We don't get paid to make any of those decisions. We get paid to play defense, and yep. that's what we have to do, no matter if it's two trips or 100 trips, no matter where, where the ball spider or whatever. That's just the mentality. That's what we have, and, you know, as being one of the leaders, that's what I try to echo, and, you know, that's what our players follow suit with. Appreciate you, man. You got a big game coming. Up with Toronto. Oh, yeah, thanks. With Saskatchewan sports fans come to talk, this is the Sports Cage on Sports Radio 620 CKRM.
Keep the text coming, 936-6262. Hey, boys, I love sports. I was reading 52 weeks of the sporting news at 14 when my friends were looking at Playboy. But when I read about yet another Saudi story, it makes me sick to my stomach. Saudis have apparently offered $776 million to soccer star Mbappe for one season. $776 million. It's beyond unbelievable, James says. And... Uh, Send your money to Haiti or one of the other third world countries where millions are starving. Just a thought, James. Yeah, it's crazy, eh? That is ridiculous money. Uh, somebody's paying it, though, I guess. Let's head out uh, on the uh, Western Pizza wanna, Hotline. Can, do you think they could, like... I s- Never mind. I'll talk to you about it later. <laughs> so Never mind. Anyway, hey, I want to talk to this guy because he... You know, in, in, in my business... Doing the jobs we do, you gotta sometimes polish a you know what. And this guy's had to polish a few you know what's over the years here since about 2019, 2018. But this guy here uh, is loving it, I bet. AJ Jackimic, voice of the Red Blacks. Uh, like BC last year with Nathan Rourke, um, they were must watch TV, and that's been the case for Ottawa the last two weeks, AJ. Yeah, it's been a lot of fun to watch. And uh, three years, I tell you, there wasn't any polishing because the, the team stunk for three years. They won eight out of 50 games. There's no way to polish 16% win percentage uh, over three seasons of football. So uh, the reality is uh, they started one and three, but you felt that was a little bit different. And the three losses, they turned the ball over 14 times and they gave up an average of 22 points a game in those three losses. So you knew all they needed was some stability at the most important position. And right now it looks like they've got that. It's two games into his career, and the way quarterbacks have been going down in the Canadian Football League, you can't be taking anything for granted. But, uh, yeah, he's got that it factor. And when you watch him play and you watch even the progress from where he was in training camp to preseason to coming off the bench, uh, in relief in Hamilton to the last two weeks uh, against Winnipeg and Calgary, you see the progression each and every week. So it is pretty exciting for Red Black fans. There's a legitimate buzz in the air here. They're, they're already on pace for their best crowd of the season Friday against Hamilton. And as long as the weather holds, uh, you know, I, I think uh, that this should be for sure back to some of the crowds that we were used to seeing the first few years of this franchise. I'm happy for the fans because uh, even you, you mentioned it, with that winning percentage, they still came out to the games. I mean, 18,000, 17,000 doesn't sound spectacular, but I can guarantee you this, fans wouldn't be showing up like that every game for the Ottawa Senators So they, the, if they were playing that bad. So I'll tell you what, good on the Red Black Nation for coming out and supporting the team. Yeah, I mean, uh, I know it's only two games in a bit, but... There's enough of a sample size to like what you see and, and say and see there are some encouraging signs with him. Well, and the pedigree is is impressive as well. When you look at uh, what he did at Kent State, where he was Max Player of the Year, same conference that Nathan Rourke was playing in as well. They played against each other, so uh, he ended up going to the Kansas City Chiefs. One of the problems we're seeing in the Canadian Football League is a lot of the better young quarterbacks that maybe aren't ready for the NFL or going to the XFL or the USFL. But I think they believed at the time last year when he got cut from the Kansas City Chiefs that it was a real coup that he came up right away and didn't explore his options for the XFL and the USFL. 
He just wanted to play football, and uh, they're really benefiting from that decision right now. Now, no two quarterbacks are the same. No two offensive uh, systems are the same. Uh, Mason Fine's been in the Ryder system for three years. Um I don't know that when he had time to throw, he could throw the football. He showed that against BC. Didn't go deep much, but maybe that was schematics. Maybe that was time in the pocket to throw. What I liked, uh, what I l- have liked about what I've watched with Ottawa is they seem to just, uh, you know, Kahari Jones just take the shackles off and play some football. I mean, obviously there's some structure, but I just kind of like how they're letting him uh, do his thing. They are. Now, that being said, it, it, there wasn't a deep ball thrown from Dustin Crum in that game uh, against Calgary until the second half. Mm-hmm. And, and I know that was something that uh, you know a lot of people were looking to see a little bit more. So I, I wouldn't say it's completely the shackles are off, but no doubt. And, and I feel like when he did throw deep and COC Mariner just inches away from from that uh, catch that, that would have been about 40, 45 yards, it felt like all of a sudden that changed the game as well because now Calgary had to change the way they were defending as well. Just that threat. Sometimes it's just the threat that knowing, okay, you can get burnt can change things defensively. And, and certainly Ottawa down the stretch, uh, you know, once that game got to overtime, I felt like Ottawa was going to win it because it seemed like the game was slipping away middle of the second quarter to the middle of the third quarter. But uh, once that offense got rolling in the second half, I felt kind of the same way that I felt uh, going into the overtime against the Winnipeg uh, in, in the Winnipeg game. Mm-hmm. Just the fact that this team was getting better as the game progressed, and, and that's that's something that finding ways to win games and getting better late in games—that's the exact opposite of what we've seen for three years here, mm-hmm. where they're they're finding games finding ways to lose games uh, over the course of the last few years. And, and I, I think a lot of credit there goes to, you know, certainly the players, certainly the entire coaching staff, but just the belief they have under Bob Dice, who has done uh, just a remarkable job uh, getting this team to 3-3 three and three after a rough start where two of their starting quarterbacks went down and one, uh, frankly, wasn't performing that well. And I think Hamilton's uh, feeling a bit of heat. Uh, Bo Levi Mitchell's off the sixth game early, and uh, this is a big game for the Hamilton Tiger Cats, and a big game for the Ottawa Red Blacks to take another step forward and maybe get a bit of separation there in the East. Huge game for both teams, and, and certainly huge for the Ottawa Red Blacks because they play each other three times during the year, and Hamilton already has the first win, and so they would win the tie break with another victory, and I think you want to at least keep that, like you said, keep keep some distance between your team and the Ticats, but at the same time, uh, ensure that you, you still have a chance to win the tiebreak if it comes down to that. I still think, you know, there, there's a lot of teams not in the same boat, Saskatchewan, Calgary, Ottawa, Montreal, Hamilton. Uh, I think we, we can pretty much write off Edmonton and their hopes for this year, and, and, and to me, the class of the league, oh, they, look, there's cracks in Winnipeg, they're not um, unbeatable like they were the last three seasons for for, for large portions of it. They're, they're not bullying teams in the line of scrimmage like they were those last three seasons. So you see some cracks, but they're still one of the top teams in the league and then Toronto and BC right there with them. But, you know, that, that needy middle right now in the CFL, it's a good thing for the league because uh, you feel like there's a lot of teams that are in it and you feel like there should be a lot of competitive games like we've seen uh, the last couple of weeks, it's been a 
great couple of weeks around the Canadian Football League. Awesome, man. Thanks for your time. I appreciate it. Uh, we'll talk to you soon. You bet. We'll see you. See you next week in Regina. Looking forward to it. Yeah, I can't wait, man. It's going to be fun to break some bread and chat some football in person. That is A.J. Jakubek. He is the voice of the Ottawa Red Blacks. We'll be back with the coach, Craig Dickinson, after 5 here on the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. Sports Talk lives here. Welcome to another hour of the Sports Cage with your host, Michael Ball. This is the Craig Dickinson Show, our weekly chat with the writer's bench boss about the latest news from the locker room. It's the only place where Dickie takes questions from Rider Nation. And just ahead of those questions, we'll tell you it's brought to you by McDougal Auctioneers, where you're guaranteed the best buying and selling experience, McDougalAuction.com. So, Zinger, I'm going to ask you this question. Coach is waiting in the queue. I'll ask him the question so he can think about it. So the Tennessee Titans are thinking about going to the Houston Oiler Unis for a couple of their games because that's what they were when they moved to Tennessee. Actually, they were the Tennessee Oilers. Mm-hmm. And before they had their new stadium, and they're building another one, actually, uh, before they moved into that stadium in Nashville, they played Vanderbilt University, but they played Memphis for a bit, too. Mm-hmm. Um, some fans are mad, but remember, they were the Tennessee Oilers. So if you had to pick right now of the three throwback unis that have kind of been put out on the table, the tennis, the, the, the Houston Oilers, so the Tennessee Oilers, the uh, 1976 Seattle Seahawks, or the Creamsicle Buccaneers unis, oh, which ones are you going with? That's a tough question. It is. The New York Jets also revealed some new ones today. Yeah, all, I don't care all about whites, the Jets. Yeah, yeah. We suck. don't care about Aaron Rodgers. Th- those are, oh, for some reason, the Seattle Seahawks unis, those ones you are like, like the Ricky Waters. Because it has the old Ryder wraparound logo to yeah. the back of the helmet. Yeah. That's they, a they, deal. They like. never yeah. should have gotten yeah. rid of that. That was yeah. unique. I'm going with the Creamsicle bu- uh, yeah. Buccaneers with Doug Williams and James Wilder Sr., Remember? Moa. Yeah. I think a Ricky was Ricky Bell, I think, was their big running back in seventy nine, if I'm not mistaken, too. Ricky Bell. Yeah. Anyway, let's go to the phone line. Warren Sapp wore Warren those Sapp, for a bit. Yeah, for a bit. Steve but, Young wore them. Yes, he did. Absolutely he did. Yeah, yeah they were a stinky team back then. Yeah. <laughs> let's go. Let's go to uh, Coach Craig Dickinson of the Rough Riders, who is a an American kid. So he probably watched some ball back then. We're around the same age. If you had a pick between either of those jerseys, would you would you don a Houston Oilers, Earl Campbell jersey? Jersey, a Steve Largent Seattle Seahawks jersey, or a Doug Williams Creamsicle Buccaneers jersey? I I think Michael, I'd go with the Creamsicle Buccaneers. Yeah. too. I always remember the Selman brothers, Leroy Selman. Yeah, those old guys. So I thought those were some pretty pretty colorful and interesting jerseys. So that's that's probably what I'd choose: the Creamsicle Buccaneers. Yeah, I love. Uh... I love that famous line. Was it from John McKay, the coach there? <laughs> when he said, yeah, they asked, hey, hey, what do you think of the execution of your offense? I'm in favor of it. <laughs> that, that was funny. Hey, uh, coach, let's talk about that game and let's start with offense. Let's start with Mason Fine. I don't know. I'm, I'm imagining the coaches have all been diving into the film. They were on the bus and on the plane looking at it. So, what did you see from Mason Fine's play, Coach Dickinson, that you liked? Well, I thought I thought he managed the game well. I really did. You know, we didn't take any any penalties in terms of time counts or anything like that. I thought he did a good job of 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 taking what the defense was giving him. I think I think he hung in there and and made uh, made some tough throws. You know, when he had some people in his face. So I thought overall he actually played pretty decent. Uh, you know, my immediate impression after the game was we needed to do a little better push the ball down the field more and I still feel that way 
But uh, overall, I thought he actually played pretty well for his first start in a long time. So let me ask you that, because some of the fans did bring that up, and I think I even brought it up. Hey, uh, he did take a couple of shots downfield, and if if he connects with Tevin Jones on a couple of those, he hit him one deep one late, but if he connects with him, the, the one I'm thinking of is that one in the right corner of the end zone away from your bench, and if he, if maybe Tevin has an extra step or if he can die for that one, that, that could have been a difference maker. But that's where I'm going with it. Is it, is it something where he didn't see something downfield and didn't throw it, or was it maybe just a game plan where you guys didn't take the cuffs off him? Well, I think I think a little bit of both, and I think also credit to, to BC. I think they, they uh, you could tell their game plan, you know, going in and after watching the film was to really just make us earn it, you know, make us put eight to ten, ten plays a row, you know, together to try to drive the field and score. So, I think a lot of that was the BC defense doing a really good job of taking away the deep throw and forcing him to really throw the underneath stuff. But I also think, you know, his first game out, he probably was was getting off the throws maybe a hair soon and not giving it a chance in some ways. But, you know, like I said, anytime you're second and long, the defense is going to dictate to you what throws you can have. And usually they're going to take away those first down throws and make you throw underneath. So what are you seeing from that running game, Coach? Because, uh, well, it hasn't... The game in Calgary, Morrow rushed for 133 yards. Now, some of that was overtime yardage. And I think he had 112 at the end of the game against Calgary here. A lot of that, or a good chunk of it, was the quarterback running. But... What are you seeing from the running game or not seeing from the running game? Because I think uh, Morrow averaged under a, a yard rushing in that game. What, what are you guys kind of seeing there? Yeah, we struggled all game running against BC. I just felt like they did a great job of, of um, you know, I think they had a good scheme in terms of how, how to defend the run. I think it hurt us when we lost Picton because we had a lot of new guys in, in new places on offense and, and that was one of the reasons we didn't get that third short is we didn't we didn't secure the edge with uh, with our receiver blocking. So, um, you know, I think you just got to give that BC Lions defense a lot of credit. There's a ton of speed on that defense. They move around a bunch, and we just didn't do a great job of staying on track and moving people on the angle we found them. We were, we were looking back a lot of times and, and really probably our worst game up front in terms of being able to run the ball, and that's something we want to hang our hat on. So. We're going to work hard this week to try to improve on that. Yeah. Coach, uh, the, the other thing I'll say about the BC Lions defense that I was really impressed with, um, they they don't miss any tackles. Like, they're a good no, tackling team. They are, and they really are fast. They got a lot of speed. There's, You know, you watch the film, and some runs look pretty good initially, and then, boom, they close up quickly. So that's that's a good group. Yeah. It's a good team that, that we played, and, and certainly we're going to get them two more times, and, and, you know, we look forward to playing them down the road and trying to do a little bit better. Obviously, under your tutelage, because you've been around special teams a long time, Kent Majuri's, uh he's uh, learned from you, but I think he's one of the best-kept secrets in the CFL. He, uh, you guys have done a pretty good job. think a little off, and you'd admit it, against Calgary with the coverage units, but you buttoned it up this game. And, uh, you know, a couple of punch-out uh, turnovers on special teams. Yeah, you know, I think Majuri's an outstanding football coach. You know, he can coach any side of the ball. You know, he came came up to the CFL as a defensive coach. That was his background. He's a secondary coach and a defensive coach and got involved here as, as an offensive coach, coached the running backs and, and helped on the specials. And then when I got the job, I hired him as the special teams coach. So he's he's a well-rounded coach, really smart, works hard, studies, studies the game. And 
I think he does a great job, and he really has those guys playing hard. You know, yeah, anytime there's an injury on offense or defense, you don't realize it, but it's a it's a uh, kind of a uh, tumble down effect on special teams. You usually have to move one, if not two, guys to cover for somebody that gets hurt. So he did a good job in that game against BC, and uh, I feel good about. It the work he puts in, and he gets those guys ready to play each week. Coach, let's talk about injuries. Mitch Pickton uh, took a big shot there from Moje, um, uh, and then, of course, Brian Cox Jr. went down, and Jaden Dalkey had an AC joint injury. What do we know about those guys? Yeah, Brian's probably going to be out this week. Um, feels like feels like he's going to be out this week, but we're hopeful Pickton and and Dalkey will be able to play. We'll know probably a little bit more later in the week. Mm-hmm. Um, Bob wants to know at uh, 936-6262, he sends a text in the the Edmonton Elks have uh, released a former rider, Toby Antigua, and looks like a promising receiver in uh, Maurice French. Have you guys had any discussions about that? Uh, Bob wants to know. No. No, we feel pretty good about our defensive line. Uh, and we've got a couple of receivers coming back from injury, so we're we're in pretty good shape. Yeah, so Lennius would be one of those guys. How's he been looking yep. in terms of like yeah, rounding in the form? Yeah, he practiced all of last week, and he's a, he's able to play this week. So we're excited to get him back. And coach, speaking of receivers, uh, my favorite uh, tip of the cap to Sean Bain Jr. I think he's been a nice free agent acquisition by your football team. But man, Tevin Jones last year flashed a bit. He is uh, to me, he's my favorite receiver on the team, and just a good football player. Good football player, good dude. Uh, yeah, does everything well. I mean, if he wasn't starting for us at receiver, he'd probably be our, one of our top two or three special teams players. So the guy's just, he's a football player, you know, and, and he's a grinder. He's strong. He's a big dude, loves the game. He's in here today lifting on his own, just doing, doing stuff on his own. So Devin Jones is a, is a solid football player and, I think the more opportunity he gets, the better he's going to be. That's an interesting point you bring up, and that's what separates good guys from great guys, especially in this league, right, Coach? Like the guys that are going to do things on their own, you're limited to how much you can keep these guys in the facility. Then it's up to them to be disciplined, whether it's get in the training room after you've been hurt or work out. Yeah. I I said, Tevin Jones is one of those guys that is, uh, you know, he's he's a grinder, and it's really what separates good guys from great guys in this league. Because listen, it's not like college where you're on them all the time. You 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 know you you don't you're not there saying get in the training room, get in the get in the weight room. Those are the kind of guys that separate from the pack. No doubt, no doubt. The the difference between being a good pro and a great pro is is work ethic, and the difference between being a good pro and not making it is work ethic. So the real good ones, it's just, it's work. I mean, they're all talented and they all, they all come in with a lot of juice and the ones that stick are the ones that are willing to put in the work. And I think Kevin Jones is going to be one of those guys. Coach, we're going to take a break. We got you for a second segment. A few more texts at 936-6262. It's the weekly Craig Dickinson show for McDougal Auctioneers on 620 CKRM. It's time to step into the radio octagon. You're tuned to the Sports Cage on Saskatchewan Sports Radio, 620 CKRM. And welcome back to the Sports Cage. Coach Craig Dickinson and this portion of the show brought to you by McDougal Auctioneers, where you're guaranteed the best buying and selling experience, McDougalAuction.com. Lisa wants to know, Coach, your favorite CFL city to travel to. 
It, it's probably between uh, Vancouver and Montreal. I, li- I like cities where you can get out and walk and look around, so I would say it's probably between those two. How about this game for you guys once again? This is a tough stretch for you, I mean, but you are Canada's team. That's why basically you're in the game for the second straight year, but you're going from Vancouver to Halifax. Excuses, nobody wants to hear them, but it's a point worth talking about. It's, uh, it's quite a bit of travel for your football team. Yeah, it is, but we got a full seven days to do it. So we're we're looking forward to the game. I mean, I know the, the veteran players that were there last year had a ball, and we're staying at the same hotel, so there'll be some familiarity. And we're you know we're playing at St. Mary's Stadium there in Halifax, so we're looking forward to the game. Toronto's going to be a tough out. I mean, that's a a darn good football team. They're five and zero, and they're the defending champs for a reason. And the film shows it. They're really good in, in all three phases. Um, but our guys are looking forward to the game and looking forward to getting out there in the East Coast. Coach, that's a challenging football team because uh, Kelly can beat you with his arm and his legs. Now, his receivers, from what I see, are bailing him out with some great catches, but he's also buoyed by a great uh, two-headed monster in the backfield. We just had A.J. Olette on the uh, on the uh, broadcast. Man, he's an old-school runner. Yeah, he is. He's a downhill runner, and you got him, and you got Andrew Harris, and you got a really good offensive line, you know. And uh, it's a good bunch. I think the run is is really what what uh, what um, kind of sparks that offense. And we'll have to do a good job on defense of, of forcing them into second and long. And then to do that, you got to be able to stop that run game. Coach, you, we never talked about this in the BC line game, but your defense was lights out. I thought for the most part in that game, they did everything yeah. you could ever ask for. I thought they had a good game. You know, they held. I think they held to just one touchdown and really two big plays is all they gave up. So I was pleased with the defense, I, and I hope our guys, you know, can build off of that and continue to play well. So do you go back and – I know I've asked you this before, but, like, have you asked anybody for clarification from the league? So, so DeMarcus Christmas is way taller than Dane Evans, and he drops to duck under the rush and gets a, a, a smack in the head, so there's a penalty. Okay, fine. And then you didn't have a challenge flag to challenge an absolutely crushing hit on your quarterback where his bucket goes flying off, and the ref standing right there, no penalty. It's that inconsistency that drives me nuts from the broadcast booth. Yeah, it drives me nuts too. Um, you know, I, I have a really good relationship with Darren Hackwood, the head of officiating, and and him and I have 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 really good visits, and usually come to an agreement on most things. But unfortunately, you know, he's he's you know he's not in the game, and a lot of times he's sitting back watching it the same way you and I are, and and he uh, he's going to support his guys when he when he can and when he, when he should, but he also knows that they make mistakes too, so. I get a lot of calls with Darren, and, and sometimes we disagree, and sometimes he'll agree with me and admit, yeah, we made a mistake there. And uh, But once it's been made, you just gotta try to get better, and, and you hope the, the official that makes it can make a correction in his game and, and hopefully does better next time. You know, That's about all you can do. No, contrary to popular belief, I do like asking the tough questions. So I'm going to ask you these two questions, and we know what they're about. You know, you don't have to be a rocket scientist like Dustin Crump to know what I'm going to ask, okay? So, Coach, the third and two, you're in your territory. It was third, we'll say a short two or a long one, depending how you want to call it, but it was more than a yard. What made you decide to go for it there? Just reiterate for us. I know he did on the postgame show, but some people aren't listening to that interview. Sure, sure. I mean, it's a good question, and there's some definitely some risk involved, especially when you're in your your own end of the end of the field. 
I just felt like the defense was getting tired at that point. We'd had a couple of injuries, and we had a, a couple of new faces out there. And I really felt like I didn't want to give them the ball back at that moment. I wanted the offense to convert and uh, and chew up a little more clock, hopefully get on their side of the field and either punt and pin them or kick the field goal. And I, I liked the play that was called. You know, We called a run play that we've been working on all week. Uh, didn't execute it as well as we should have, but I liked the call that we made, and I felt like it was a good call for the situation. And so I wanted to be aggressive and, and, and get the first down. I mean, I, I'm not going to do that if I, I'm counting on not getting it. So I certainly felt like we were going to get it. I was very confident we would, and uh, – you know, we came up about six inches short, and uh, you move on from it. But that's that's the rationale behind that. Okay. I to continue to keep the ball and, and give the defense a break. I felt like they've been on the field too much at that point. So, Coach, I, I, some people were like, okay, so, Coach, they've got the ball. They're dry. And you know everybody's uh, armchair quarterback. It's easy when you're sitting in the booth or uh, in your basement watching the game. But you're driving the ball. You go for it. Great job by Jamal Morrow to snake his way for a first down. And so you got it. I think it was at the 20 or 12-yard line or something like that, if I'm not mistaken. And then on a, on a first down play uh, – the the interior D lineman Woody Barron gets through pretty easily and sacks your quarterback. So it's second and long, and then you get it to third and six, and you kick the field goal. Some people are like, "Why didn't he kick it earlier if he was going to go for a field goal?" But correct me if I'm wrong. I think that sack kind of changed your thinking after you know that play happened. Yeah, it did. In fact, you know, I, I was I told Kelly go ahead and take a shot in the end zone on that that second and long because I said I'll just kick the field goal from here. And then when we got to the to the six or the five, whatever you want to call it, you know that was one. Honestly, I could I could have probably gone for it again. And, and in hindsight, and I thinking back, I probably should have gone for it. But at that moment, I thought, well, it's a two score game still. Let's take the three and, and see if we can get the onside. It's an onside kick. We've been practicing for a long time, and we've had a, had a lot of success with that. I really felt like we had as good a chance as, as you're going to have of recovering. In fact, I think the last probably five or six onside kicks we've recovered probably three or four of them so um you know that that's a decision that, that definitely could get second guessed and i i understand what people are saying on that but mm-hmm. it was a two-score game i still felt like we had to get, had to get it down to one and that's why i kicked the field goal at that point um because i didn't feel like our chances of getting the touchdown were very good at that spot in fa- the only two comments i'd make to that coach in fairness i watched back the game as i sure you have and on the formation it looks like tights and uh Sean Bain Jr run into each other so that may have affected the ability to recover that kick and yeah then- yeah but tights with the sub in cuz we lost Dalkey so you know and Bain's too too flat on that you know i think we had numbers on it but but you're right we we ran into each other Hmm. Didn't execute the kick the way that the, the way that we're trained to do it and the way that we practiced it. So hmm. we'll keep working on that and we'll add a new one and, and hopefully has a little bit of a spin off and, hmm. and hopefully we don't have to use them. But hopefully if we do have to use them, we'll do them execute them a little better than we did that one. Now the 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 last thing I'd bring up here, Coach, and without going into the playbook, I, I had said on the broadcast, are they going to go for a short kick or is he going to hole shot it? You know, there's that hole shot in the middle there where it's kind of a soft zone. It was in between your bench and the BC bench just over the up man there. I just wondered if the, if that would be an option too. Or is that harder yeah, to do? Is that harder to do? It's hard. If we're going to kick it deep there, Michael, we're just going to kick it deep. Yeah. Um, but uh, at that point, it was a minute 53, I think, and we had no timeout. So essentially, if they get one first down, the game's over. I just felt like mm. it's not worth it to, 
to hope that they they punt to you with a you know a minute left. I wanted to try to go for the ball and see if we could get it with our offense. Mm-hmm. So that was the logic behind it. Didn't work out, but we'll keep plugging away and uh, hopefully do better next time. Well, three and three, and you got an opportunity to shock the world. Ten and a half point underdogs against the Argos, but you got them right where you want them, and uh, we'll find out in Halifax. Thanks for your time, Coach. See you this week. You bet, Michael. Good talking with you. Take care. That's Coach Craig Dickinson joining us on the Western Pizza Hotline for McDougal Auctioneers. We'll be back in a moment here on the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. 533 with the sports ticker for Busy Bee Overhead. Busy Bee will repair or replace your residential or commercial garage door so you don't get stuck in or out. Catch the buzz. Busy Bee Doors, the garage door specialists. Where is my Twitter? There we go. See, I got confused because they changed the Twitter logo today. It's no longer it's no longer the bird, it's the X. Uh, Bo Levi Mitchell returns to, to the practice field for the Hamilton Tiger Cats today. It's still unclear if he will start versus the Red Blacks. I believe that game will kick off week eight in the Canadian Football League on Friday night football. And the Toronto Blue Jays, they're getting set to take on the Los Angeles Dodgers tonight. In L.A. at Dodger Stadium, it's a 7.40 p.m. opening pitch. And Jose Barrios will get the start on the hill for Toronto. Let's round the bases. Time for today's Sports Cage Regina Red Sox report on the voice of Saskatchewan. 620 CKRM. Yeah, it's brought to you by our good friends over there at the Canadian Brew House. Zinger, tell us about the Regina Red Sox double dip win over the Moose Jaw Miller Express. That was some kind of double dip yesterday. So the first game was a continuation from the June 30th uh, rainout. Oh, so yeah. the game got picked up in the top of the fourth and the Red Sox had a 3-2 to two lead in the top of the fourth. They uh, hung on to win that one. And then the dramatic one was uh, the second game, the doubleheader. It was a seven-inning ball game. The Red Sox, they were down by... They were down by, I think, one or two runs in the bottom of the seventh. And Cameron Brantley came to the plate and hit a walk-off three-run home run over the short porch in right field and Wanda Heron, the photographer for uh, the Regina Red Sox, she actually got a nice little picture of exactly when Cameron Brantley took his cut on the ball and it was just like, ooh, it's picture perfect. Minty, crispy. So the Red Sox won both games yesterday over the Moose Jaw Miller Express and now Regina is 20-25 and on the season. They are in third place in the WCBL East Division. So if the season ended today, I believe the Red Sox would play the Medicine Hat Mavericks in the first round of the playoffs. Swift Current would play Moose Jaw. So, uh, hey, and if you want to go to a Red Sox game this week, a lot of opportunities. Tomorrow, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, tomorrow is against the Lethbridge Bulls. And Lethbridge, they don't come to Regina very often, nice. so it'll be a good one to come out 7.05 p.m. And the Red Sox report for the Canadian Brew House and a new summer feature menu, including jalapeno popper dip, hangover helper, uh, new candlestick fries, and so many other features, flavors, and cocktails. Our house is your house. Welcome inside the Sports Cage on Saskatchewan Sports Radio, 620 CKRM. All right, let's get to some texts. 936-6262. Dave from PA said, Riders waited too long to sign Sean Lemon. Now Montreal signed him. With all the injuries, it'll come back to haunt the Riders. The way Dickinson and the OC 
uh, run the team, they will not win another game with fine at the helm. But the O-line that can't protect our quarterback we have, uh, it's not going to work. We should try to sign McLeod Bethel Thompson, who won't come here and can't run so I don't know if we don't if you if we don't have an O-line that could protect as Dave is mentioning I don't know what McLeod Bethel Thompson is going to do but whatever um, don't think fine will lead us to the playoffs could not uh, score more than six points there you go yeah so it was just Mason fine going up against yeah everyone did you I, know that I just don't understand and no disrespect to Dave but fans want us to develop a quarterback and then they don't give him time to develop it's not going to be all chips and gum. Who knows? Maybe he goes out and throws for 300 yards against the Argos, and we win the game. And then everybody's like, Mason finds a guy. Um, the Riders got to find a way with the game in Halifax against Toronto, which will be tough. They're 10.5-point favorites. I don't see us winning unless something big happens. But who knows? Stranger things happen. But they got Toronto, Ottawa back here, which is not a free space in the bingo card like it looked three weeks ago uh, with Crum. Then you got to go to Montreal in a short week. Then you're back here to play BC. You got to try to find two wins there. You got to try to be five and five at the turn. Basically, the template to win the game on Saturday is exactly what the Riders did in Vancouver when it comes to the defensive side of the ball and special teams. If they do that, what they did versus BC against Toronto. All you have to do is fix the offense a bit, then you can win the football game. Yeah, Andrew and Kitchener says third and two gamble at midfield in the third or early fourth was the turning point. That point in the game we should have kicked, and our defense was holding up very well throughout. I think it was a huge mistake. Our running game was anemic all night, so I don't know why they tried it there. I don't. I said during the broadcast, with all due respect, I thought it was a head scratcher, and I thought. Uh, the onside kick was a. I I wanted to see a whole shot. I said it right on the broadcast. Yeah, you did. Kick yeah. the like. Why not kick the whole shot? Run down there, and as you tweeted me or texted me, it's a win win because you've got it kind of in a pooch. You got your guys run down there. They don't really have good blockers in front because it's the hands team, and you get down there and you make the stop. But on the other side, it doesn't help when you just heard coach Micah Tights comes on, doesn't really know his role like Jaden Dalkey. He. Uh, Bain Jr. goes kind of flat and they run into each other and you take two guys out of the play. Mm-hmm. So it, it's part from column A, maybe a coaching decision, but it always comes down to the players and execution. Here's what I wonder. On that third and two, if they're going for it, they are going for it, and maybe you have called up a really good play. BC had the Eagle defense. They had a guy over the center and two guys in the gaps right next to the center, right? Like they had, they had six guys at the line of scrimmage. That play was not happening. Mason Fine, being three years in our offense, has to know maybe, or maybe he doesn't have an option. I don't know. I could be wrong here. But is there an option for Mason to audible and change the play? If there is, he has to have the ability to do that. Maybe there is, and he didn't. I don't know. Would Trevor Harris have changed the play? Would he have done something different? You would You would probably guess yes. I mean, yeah, another so. thing that I was thinking, too, the, uh, Shea, like Shea Patterson and the short yardage team this year, it's been kind of, you know, iffy. Yeah. They, they, they were, they've been stopped on a few occasions. But at the same time, I don't I don't really like Jake Dolagala in there at, for the third down back. Anytime you have a huge, tall quarterback like that. The Can't one, get low enough. Yeah, he, he wasn't low enough. The couple opportunities that he got, like, I don't think that's going to continue going forward. you rather have a more elusive guy that can get mm-hmm. low to the ground. Mm-hmm. I don't see that sticking around. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't get... And I don't want to second guess. I just... I didn't get why they put Shea Patterson in 
and then took Mason Fine out of the game so early. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Let's get him get into a rhythm because yeah. I remember that happening earlier in the game. But whatever, it's easy to second guess from here. I'm the announcer, not the coach, and they make their money doing this, and I make my pittance over here doing what I do. Keep the text coming at 936-6262. If you missed any of this show, you can please go back in podcast form. Give us a Google review if you like it. Um, and uh, AJ Olet, who's going to be one of the guys that the Riders are going to have to go up against. Oh, yeah. He is uh, definitely going to be factoring I, in. I won't be cheering for him. Don't worry. No, you no. can't cheer for him. You <laughs> cannot cheer for him. Uh, it looks like uh, good news for the BC Lions. Uh, Vernon VA is okay. According to Farhan Lalji, no structural damage. No, uh, There's a good stability there in the knee. And he could play in their Week 8 battle here. Um, how about Ottawa? They're must-watch TV right now. The Ottawa Red Blacks singer. They are must-watch TV in the CFL. Doesn't it? Yeah, last doesn't two it, weeks. Doesn't it kind of feel the way it felt last year when BC was was playing so good with Nathan yeah. Rourke? Yeah. The, oh, last, the last couple of weeks, at least, have been feeling yeah. that way. Dude, I will tell you this right I, now. I didn't want to leave my TV. No, I know. Because I knew, I know. I knew the Crumminator was and coming And who would out. say that about Ottawa? Yeah, and the Crumminator. The Crumminator. Is that what you're calling him? Oh, yeah. I like that one. That's yeah. not bad. He sure is crummy. Yeah, he's crummy, but... <laughs> yeah. Tell you what, he's, he's crummy, he's lanky, he's... So is he the real deal? Do you think he's the real deal? Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna put my chips. I'm leaning on to. His side. I'm gonna buy some crummy stock. Yeah, why not? I mean, I he, think so too. Back to back games. He's he's. It's not like he's had a fluke play. Like re- remember when Jared Daggy had that fluke tip ball for a touchdown last play of the game yeah. versus Toronto. The yeah. next week he starts Jared Daggy, and everyone's like, <gasps> like no, Dustin Crumbs throws. They've been legit throws in both these games. It hasn't been a Jared Daggy-type so, performance. They've been the Crumminator performances. So Toronto Toronto is a little better than Saskat- or than a BC for offense because Chad Kelly is second-best quarterback in the CFL, I think you could say right now. Yeah. Like if you're ranking quarterbacks, you got Zach Kalaros. I would put him Chad ahead of Kalaros this year. You put I would. Kelly ahead? Yeah. Okay. I think Kelly's the MOP right now. Okay, so you got Kelly, Kalaros, I'll buy that. Yeah. Probably probably VA, and then I want to see a little bit more. Like, Crumb's right there. Yeah. Oh, yeah, after these two so, weeks. So, so where I'm going with this is the Riders did a great job shutting down a better receiving core in BC this week. They got to the... They got to the quarterback. They're going to have to do that again with Chad Kelly. The only difference is, is um, sorry, I say Winnipeg is Harris is there. Toronto was a better running game. Oh, so that's going to be so that's going to keep the Riders D line at bay. And now with Brian Cox Jr. out, I wonder how they replace him. And Toronto's receiving core stacks up pretty much the same as BC. BC's is a little better, yeah, but yeah, but you're like right. Those guys on Toronto, they catch yeah, absolutely everything. everything. That's like right. They're, they're making, and, yeah, and yeah. Gittins Jr. Like, yeah, and Daniels. They're yeah. making they're making uh, Chad Kelly look pretty good. Riders are going to have to play connected football, buttoned up football to win this they game. They were very the, close to playing they the were, connected. They were. There was just the one link was missing was yeah. the offense, yeah. man. They need, they, need, uh, they need a little better than that. Okay, so uh, here's my power ranks. You want to go power rankings Let's here? Let's do it. Uh, check this out. I got this from the Dean, actually. I want to mention this. I got oh. this from the Dean. He's on holidays. He couldn't join us. Uh, let me just find it here. Lots of texts here. Um, Where's the Dean on holidays at? That's what I want to know. I'm jealous. Okay, here we go. So, he's in Montana. Oh. Uh, okay, so here we go. He said... Uh, uh, where is it here? He, he he sent me the oh sorry I got the wrong thing I 
he always texts Don Hewitt and I. Just mm-hmm. give me a second. Great radio here. Here we go. Um, he says, here's some frustrating stats. Saskatchewan is now first, the, uh, is now sixth ranked in converting second downs. Worst in the league at converting second and third and short, and the eighth best in average yards gained on first down. Against BC, we converted just 17% of our second down plays. Teams that win the second down conversion battle are 21 and 6. Now, he goes on to say this, his Commodore 64, because he does the CFL simulations, Keith Willoughby, the chances of winning the Grey Cup have improved, went from 1,000 to 1 to 370 to 1. Possible reasons, the computer noted the Riders played a close game against a strong BC opponent, uh, Calgary lost to Ottawa. Riders are projected to finish 7-11, and 11, but be good enough for third place. And the computer gives the Argos a 94% chance of beating the Riders in touchdown Atlantic. Now, here is my power rankings. At number nine, it's obvious. You got Edmonton. Okay? Yeah. Edmonton's number nine. They're going to stay there, too. I think so. Uh, At number eight, (laughs) they're going to stay there, too. (laughs) That is hilarious. Number eight, I've got the Hamilton Tiger Cats. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're not very good. No. Their defense is terrible, actually. At number seven, the Calgary Stampeders. Isn't that amazing? I think last week they were like five or something. Yeah, I got got Calgary at seven. Yeah, I got I got Montreal at six, because Montreal got the bye, right? So they didn't Uh, play. So Montreal at six. I got our Saskatchewan Rough Riders at five. They played tough against the BC Lions team. They stay at five. Uh, I've got Ottawa at four. Ottawa jumps up from, I think, seven to four. Yeah. And I like that. I think so. Yeah. Don't you agree? Yeah. Crumb crumb Nation. Yeah. I've got uh, Winnipeg at three, but not much of a gap between Winnipeg and Ottawa, to be quite honest with you. Ottawa beat Winnipeg. Uh, I... I was close to putting Ottawa ahead of Winnipeg, but I still got Winnipeg ahead of Ottawa. Ooh, yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm put- actually no. Let me stop that. Yeah, yeah. I'm putting Ottawa at three and Winnipeg at four. Yeah, Ottawa beat Winnipeg because my math. This is why I've always kept BC ahead of Winnipeg because BC slaughtered yeah, Winnipeg. Yeah. Stay so, consistent, so baby. I, so, yeah. Okay, so let me redo this. Edmonton nine. Hamilton 8, Calgary 7, Montreal 6, Saskatchewan 5, Winnipeg 4, Ottawa 3, BC 2, the Toronto Argonauts are 1. Check this out, though. The pathetic CFL.ca website has the Rough Riders behind Calgary, even though the Stamps have an inferior record. So the Stamps are ahead of Saskatchewan in the power rankings. Yeah, you know, that don't make much sense to me. Well, the only thing that you could think of there is Calgary split against Ottawa while the Riders have won two games against Edmonton, and we've won one each, Calgary and Saskatchewan. So they probably see a split versus Ottawa as more positive than the Rough Riders sweeping well, they the Elks. They can see what they want. Bottom line is our record's better, and... Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's pretty much all I got for yeah, you. Yeah, that's true. And that's all you need, really. <laughs> anyway, nine three six. Trying to think of uh, what's another reason why we're better than Calgary right now. I don't know if I can find one. Nine three six. 6262, our text line, if you want to uh, text in and give us your thoughts on the power rankings. Uh, yeah, I got Ottawa. You're right. I got Ottawa 3 and Winnipeg 4. I got to stay with my logic. All thanks to Crumb Nation. Crumb Nation. It's not our nation anymore. They got to remarket. It's Crumb Nation. Crumb Nation. Yeah, that's what I'm Crummy talking about. Crummy Nation. They got to put it on the side of the pants instead of our nation. Well, let's <laughs> let's cool our jets yet. It's only yeah, been a couple on, of games. MOP. This is the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. This day in sports history brought to you by Capital Ford Lincoln on the corner of Rochdale and Pasqua. Let's go back to 
July 24th of 1983. George Brett is called out at Yankee Stadium after homering for having too much pine tar on his bat, and he promptly loses his dang mind like a toddler. I love it. We're talking sports on your way home. This is the Sports Cage on Sports Radio 620 CKRM. Let's get to some other sports. Maple Leafs goalie Ilya Samsonov has been awarded a one-year contract worth $3.55 million in arbitration. Samsonov, who's 26, went 27-10-5 last season with a 9-19 save percentage and a 2.33 goals against average in 42 games. Blue Jays and Chavez Ravine to take on the Dodgers. Is it Brios going to the hill? I believe so, yes. Nah, the Jays had a bad weekend in Seattle. At least they salvaged the game yesterday. Yeah, they did salvage Barely. the game for sure. Well, I shouldn't brag. My uh, my Padres lost to the Tigers in the last of their three-game set. Well, we weren't, we weren't, hey, we, we weren't no hit by the Tigers. We lost, but we didn't get no hit. Come on, comment on my Tigers sound That's good. effect. Do it again. Hanging me out to dry. Do it again. That's pretty good, man. Nah, thanks, man. Biggest nah. question for the Packers is... Jordan Love and how he will fare. Well, Mark Murphy, the team president, said on Monday he expects by midseason we'll know what we can expect from Jordan Love. So look at that. I wish they're, he, they're giving yeah. Jordan Love till no wait though. We're giving they're giving Jordan Love in the NFL big money business. Uh, they, they said half a year. Shouldn't say anything like that. But Mark Mark Murphy needs to learn just to not say things. He's He's yeah. been doing this throughout his tenure yeah, my as point the CEO. Is, just my, shut up and let him play. My, no. Go ahead. Sir. My point, though, is Mark Murphy. The NFL, big money, storied team. We're gonna let him see what he can do. We got to give Mason Fine some time to figure it out. Get him a healthy, cohesive offensive line, which hasn't been the same two games in a row. Let's get him some receivers back, and then let's start to judge whether he knows what he's doing or not. Mm. Okay, no, uh, G- Give me a bit of a break here. Mm. Titans to wear their Houston Oilers throwbacks for a couple of games. Hope they do it against the Texans. Or their Tennessee Oilers yeah, throwbacks. Yeah, there you go. There you go. People Absolutely. complaining about that, these Houston fans. Yeah. Just cool your Jets. Cool your Jets. And the Colts signing quarterback Anthony Richardson. Four-year fully guaranteed contract worth oh. Sean Kleisinger kind of money, 33.99 million That just bucks. reminded me, those uh, Colts revealed their uh, alternate helmets what last is it? week. What is it? So ugly. I don't even want to describe it. You can look it up on your own time. Really? It's a black helmet with uh, with the logo on it. Don't tell yeah, me. Yeah, look it up, man. I'm going to look that up right now. Col- Col- Colts Uni. Colts Uni. Okay, I'll look uh, it up as alternate. I'll look it up as we roll this and and uh, don't throw up on me. No, it's disgusting. Let's hear from the Riders' offensive player of the game last week, and it's never a good thing when your punter is. But we gave kudos to Adam Korzak. Yeah, Adam Korsak, man. First of all, does your what's your recovery process when you're out there kicking as much as you were kicking uh, today and, and this far uh, into the season? Yeah, you just try to get in tomorrow morning and hit the hit the training room and and try to be a professional and do what you can. But um, you know, my recovery and you know the boys on the D line and the guys that are hitting people is a bit different for sure. You know, <laughs> and uh, I don't take that for granted at all. And but it is, you're right. You just try to get yourself fresh for the next game. Yeah, um, you know, you lead the league in in average right 
right now. But, you know, a lot of times the stats don't talk about the efficiency in which you punt and place, you know, and put teams in a bad position. How do you approach that? Because you've been really, really efficient at putting teams in bad spots and then return game. Yeah, for me, you know, when I was in college at Rutgers last year, that was a big emphasis was just putting the ball in good spots and, and trying to make my punts predictable for our coverage team so we can get down there and and um, and kind of corner the, the returner because these returners are so good so you don't really want to give them too many chances and the way I punt and the way coach and, and the way we emphasize on special teams is, is that location and um, obviously it's not always perfect but I try my best out there. Talk about, um, you know, the, you, you've also shown the ability to vary, right? You can sky a ball and you can kick a low direct liner. When you, What is the process about, how do you decide what type of kick, whether it's high and far or just sort of low and driving? How do you decide that? Yeah, I think it's just important to mix it up. Like the, uh, we don't want the returner getting, again, it's that predictability of like we don't want the returner knowing where it's going and he can, the boys can set up a return. So for me, it's uh, obviously today we played in a dome, so there wasn't too much wind. But um, when we're, the wind plays a factor in that for sure. And, and just, you know, the kicks, are, that's what I've liked about my experience here in the first six games is, is just trying all these different kicks in college. I was, I was a pretty one-dimensional kind of punter and I've been able to like go into my bag and, and um, you know, explore different types of kicks, which, which I'm enjoying. Yeah. Well, you, I mean, yeah, you look like you're adapting quickly. So talk about, um, you, you know, what it's taken to sort of assimilate into the Canadian.